This week's episode is sponsored by our Patreon members. Starting with Danny P, The Rev, Ivan, Zach, Jay Holbro, Curtis Smith, Matt, Jonathan, Lisa, Howard, Epidemic, Jason, Vince, Sam, Tom, Denise, Tawny, Stefan, Cursive Lie, Dan W, Cy, Eric O, Corin Space, Kane Colt, Zach G, Michelle, Ryan, Fletch, Vincent, Chance, Paul, and lastly, Larry. Thank you all so much for continuing to support us every month. We love you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, let's start the show. Are listening to the Chomp Cast, the official podcast of Sword Chomp and SwordChomp.com. We know life is precious and your time is valuable, so thank you for making our show a part of your day. Hopefully, we can return the favor by enhancing the grind of life just a little bit. You know, the Chomp Cast gives you double life experience points. It's true. Every show is streaming and downloadable at SwordChomp.com, and of course, iTunes, Spotify, and every other place you want to get your podcasts. Head on over, give us a five-star rating if you use something like iTunes, subscribe, and if you're feeling really frisky, patreon.com slash swordchomp. Head over there, check out our tiers, all the different ways you can support us. Our patrons are family. Um, just a friendly disclaimer, we will be discussing a fairly serious topic, the coronavirus today and its effect on our lives and the gaming year um, of 2020, and it comedic way at times you know we are a comedy show just remember that it's not meant any disrespect to those who have dealt with this virus in any sort of serious capacity uh, i just want to put that disclaimer in mostly for shay so he doesn't yell at me um now we are <laughs> uh, we are <laughs> we are circling around about i'd say about the fourth layer of hell um as doom eternal is just four weeks away uh i've been catching up on doom 2016 and our special guest on Intrusive in a Minute has been playing some of the Doom re-releases, so we're going to talk about that, get some hype. Um, not to mention the true bringer of Doom, Isabel, makes an appearance as our listeners vote on their most anticipated March release, Animal Crossing or Doom Eternal. Um, Shay is trapped in his own hell fire emblem. You'll see why a little later on. And uh, uh, you know, we discuss- I'm not, I'm not, not going to give you too it. much shit for that. That was that was bad. Yeah, yeah or no, that it. wasn't bad. I mean, that wasn't bad. It was pretty decent. <laughs> okay, okay, gotcha. Wasn't um, bad. I'm really got a theme here going. And we discuss one hell of an underappreciated game, Vagrant Story. Josh has been streaming that uh, always. <laughs> so <laughs> there's a theme if you haven't noticed. I really should have saved this for when doing that. This is a big waste. Uh, fun poll questions like preferred sandwich eating tactics and making one's bed as an adult. 
all that and more. But let's get to some intros. Uh, we have a special guest this week. You can find him on YouTube uh, with the drop and the jam pack report. Just go ahead and search Samuel Adams Gaming. That's what I did. I pulled him right up. Samuel Adams joined us. Hey! Yo, what's going on, doing? guys? How's it going? <laughs> how's, the, how's the big hype intro there? I was impressed with it. I appreciate the hype intro. It's always nice to get the good, the intro that I deserve. Not really, but sure, why not? <laughs> <laughs> Let's get the good stuff for the guests. Hey, I appreciate That's it. That's right. I, the the, the rest is kind of like the B-side sore chomp. B-side yeah. chomp cast. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's good to be here. Can't wait to talk about coronavirus. That's going to be a nice, lighthearted topic. You know, nothing like a good pandemic for the for the pod. <laughs> you know, yeah. Samuel Adams, your timing could not be better. I mean, beer naming related conventions are in right now. The coronavirus, Samuel Adams. Yeah. You know, we, when's the next virus going to be that you, maybe you can get some good traction? Samuel Adams is trending before you know it. Boom, boom. Hashtag. Hey, you never know, man. Uh, I I don't know I don't know how this pandemic is going to spread via beer distribution, but if it does, I'm going to be there to profit, <laughs> just straight profit. <laughs> Definitely not going to take any kind of social hit whatsoever from the negative. Yeah, that's yeah. Oh, I can't see how wonderful. that would uh, turn out poorly for you. No, never. No, can't imagine. Beer beer has been on the topic uh, the topic of discussion around the U.S. I know because I saw an article earlier this week about this woman. Um. On an alcohol or on a sobriety test, it showed her as drunk, but she doesn't drink. And it turns out that her her stomach was like making alcohol, essentially. I mean, that's putting it in the most lame Man. layman's terms possible. But like, basically, her stomach was quote unquote brewing alcohol, and I was like, "Man!" And then like reading the reading a separate article about how Corona beer <laughs> sales are going down, and thirty eight percent of Americans refuse refuse to buy corona beer because of coronavirus and well it's just like beer is i think the far more than 38 percent should refuse to buy corona beer but that's just me i agree yeah. i agree yeah. i was gonna say i was surprised it was that high to begin with yeah it's one step above water essentially so mm. well you know true story the first beer i ever had uh, this is morgan by the way general mountain time here in montana the first beer i ever had samuel was a corona at my friend's house i was 16 we snuck it when his parents weren't home as all kids do yeah and i gotta tell you it was the nectar of the gods mm. when i was 16 years old well, i mean when you're 16 <laughs> you get what you can get yeah well so. that's a good one to steal because no one's gonna miss it so true right, exactly it's a victim yeah, of exactly. crime <laughs> If anything, Josh, they're going to miss the lime that Morgan put into the beer mm. more so than the beer itself. I, I, yeah, I know, right? I, I love the, the idea that just the name association with coronavirus, even though people know it has nothing to do with the beer, is enough to hurt sales. That is a fascinating psychological uh, thing. God damn, I just slammed myself in the face. Anyways, um, <clears throat> shit myself in the face of the microphone. Uh, thanks for being here, Samuel. And by the way, that was Shay Layton chiming in with his beer knowledge, the professor from Japan. Um, all things beer. Yeah, right now it's it's. He said he had a funny story for us, so I'm going to scratch my intro. He said he had a funny story for the intro, so um, yeah. I've hyped it. Yeah, up. so funny. Bear, bear with me. It's I'm going to set it up as quick as I can to get to the actual story. You guys need some backstory. So a few weeks ago, um, basically I was going to this bike park off of my train to ride to work, and this woman came running up to me, 
and started speaking a ton of Japanese really fast. I was like, I don't know what you're saying. Um, we had some awkward like Japanese English exchange, and then basically it turned into her using Google Translate to tell me she she wanted to be my friend, and I was like, okay. She already had a paper with her phone number on it. She gave it to me, and basically she was hitting on me. Um, which never happens in Japan, by the way. Let me tell you, Japanese women generally don't do that in the city and the prefecture I live in. Very, very shy. So I was very, very surprised by this. Fast forward to a few weeks. Um, we've talked a little bit. I'm not um, particularly interested in this woman. And I, she told me a few days ago that she was interested. And I was very polite with her. And I was like, hey, I appreciate it. Um, you know, I'll... I'm not at the current point in my life to be dating anyone kind of thing, but I'll still be your friend. And she's cool with that. And made me, made me feel good that basically she didn't freak out or anything or feel bad. And so we had plans yesterday to play Smash Brothers before um, she had told me all this. And so I was like, yeah, you can still... <laughs> there was a, I got lag when he said that. <laughs> yeah, no, no, the, the lag saying you were going to smash each other's brothers in that... Uh... <laughs> And that, or just smash. It was just like wow, plot smashing twist. each Damn. other's brothers. Yeah, mm. <laughs> no, but anyway, so she comes over last night, and we were playing for a few hours, and then I was like, oh fuck, it's getting late. So I was trying to be subtle, and I was like, hey, when's your last train? And she's like, um, in a few minutes. And I said, okay. And then she Google translates, can I stay over? And I was like, all right, I know what you're trying to do here. I was like, yeah, sure. There's a spare bedroom over there that you can stay in. Cause I, I do have two bedrooms. So I told her she could go stay in the spare bedroom. And I was like, I'm going to go to bed now. So I immediately get into my bed and I said, good night. And then mm. <clears throat> I wake up the, I wake up this morning, I'm getting ready for the podcast and stuff. And I told her the night before that I ha have to leave early basically get some food for during the middle of the podcast because we record for a long time and right as i'm about to leave and i'm telling her i gotta go she's like hey can i take a shower and i was like no i was like i gotta go let's go <laughs> you know and i know you guys are waiting because i told you guys the punchline of the joke before the podcast so <clears throat> she leaves i i go get my stuff and then i come back and um, she messages me and she's like, Hey, I forgot to tell you, thank you for last night. I was like, Hey, no problem. Thanks for coming and hanging out. And she, I was like, sorry, we couldn't hang out this morning trying to be polite. And let me read you the message that she sent me. That's not at all. It was good because I could see Japanese word from morning. So I didn't know this word. So I had to translate and it literally translates to twink. So she basically was calling me a twink oh, wow. and saying she's gl glad she got to see me a twink all morning. But actually, so I, I further research it and twink, the, this actually means handsome person, but it directly immediately translates to twink. So I got called oh, a twink okay. by a Japanese woman this morning. Hmm. And uh, that, that was my morning. I, That's a good I way to wake up. I love the full volumes of Shay's intro. Uh, flex, Japanese women never ask people out, but they did for me. Uh, invite the girl over, turn down the sexual encounter, and then, and then I'm a handsome man. This and story really comes up all it. spades for you. Mm. <laughs> really? Wow. But well, it's, it's not me bragging. It. It's me confused by what the hell is going on in my life right now. Oh, Essentially. Yeah. This wasn't a brag. This was like a... This is a... Yeah. Persona style situation, essentially. <laughs> persona. I love how that's what you go to immediately. <laughs> we're like, ah, oh, fucking persona now. Nice. Yep. Yeah. Yep. 
Yeah, considering he's never even played Persona. So I played the first the five minutes of Persona 5. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. How many? <laughs> oh, wait, what? Sorry, the lag cut him out. How many minutes was that? Did five. Play? Four minutes? Is that number one? five. Okay. All right. Well, okay. I, I think I'm overly one. qualified at this point. Okay. It's a fire emblem situation. Anyways, thanks for being here, Shay. Uh, hashtag flex. Uh, Joshua Fowler is here from Michigan. <laughs> Had to get that in on him. Uh, Joshua Fowler. Um, you know, Josh, I saw the picture you sent me this week. Your Pokemon trophy arrived. Mm-hmm. It, got it on that shelf? I do. I do. Uh, I've got it proudly sitting on the, uh, on the shelf of other uh, gaming ephemera right over there. Looks good. You were in that Pro- one. Proclaiming I mean, you the world. for that. Exactly <laughs> how much I can stomp a noob. <laughs> Three noobs, you mm-hmm. mean? How many? <laughs> well, just the, here's the thing about trophy. You never, it, people look in my closet, they'll see a giant trophy in here. It looks cool, but they, unless they get up close and read it, you know, they don't have to know what it actually says, all right? Mm-hmm. You know, which is like it's third true. place. Uh, <laughs> weightlifting or something. <laughs> just know, uh, Josh. No, they, just know if I ever come to visit you and you see that trophy ripped in half and just thrown in the garbage, it wasn't me. Okay. I am still, still I'm bitter. not still bitter that you completely destroyed me at all. Okay. You know, I even went to the trouble of putting MVP Mimikyu on that trophy yeah. just for you because that was really the, the thing that crushed my spirit during that Pokemon tournament. Um, yeah. And you know what? Josh trained a lot for the Gen 7 tournament. We never had. So maybe it's like Karma that he ended up winning this tournament in a weird way. So. Yeah. Yeah. You punks all bailed on me in the last one. And uh, I spent way too much time training for that one. Way, way too much tra- time because they, they've actually done. We talked about this a while ago, but they, they've done quite a few things to make it easier to, uh, to train up a team competitively in this game. That Basically, you can buy your points. You can buy your skills. Well, not just that. Degree, right? The egg moves in this gen, I don't think you guys trained any egg moves from what I saw, but um, instead of having to breed the egg move over, like, however many, you know, generations that can take and then try to get the natures you want and everything else, you can actually transfer moves between two parents when they're in the daycare, as long as the mm, okay. offspring would be able to learn it, which makes it a whole lot easier. To uh, to set up your team the way you want. It's true, and we actually have one of our new patrons drop. Uh, Art Fletch is making a, an incredible trophy for our next tournament, whenever that happens to be. So, uh, sorry, Sam, I'm putting you through the gauntlet today. Animal Crossing and Pokemon, some sort of hell for you, I'm sure. I, you know, uh, I'm just here for the ride, honestly. I'm, I'm buckled in, <laughs> ready to go on whatever <laughs> wild ride it is. Yeah, so, yeah, that's what she said. All right, well, let's get right to the topic of the show. There's. Uh, there's no seatbelt required for that ride, Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you know, it's not one of those seatbelts, Josh. It's like one of those. It's one of those bars that comes down, and it's like really loose because they haven't been taking good care of the machine. You know, mm. those bars that hold you in place. Um. Anyways, I don't know where that joke was going, but the it bar holds sort of you down, and you hold the bar down. One, one of yes, those types. Yes. Yeah. 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 Where you're like, oh, if this thing, you know, I don't feel safe with this bar. Uh, usually, that's the machines that are not are. Coasters are not particularly um, dangerous, but uh, anyways, we have a fun topic. Well, that's not true. We have a, we're gonna make it fun. <laughs> we have a topic today. Um, 
So this mostly started because there's a big effect on gaming, uh, being a gaming podcast, because uh, PAX is going on right now. And by the way, our beloved Rich Meister, member of the Chompcast, is at PAX East as we speak. He also bailed on the Chompcast due to coronavirus concerns. So um, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's only fitting. Um, but he, yeah, he's there right now and he's having a great time, apparently. But sadly, you know, we do have an emotional, uh, I have an uh, what is the word we for? I have an investment there as far as the product we create because it sucks that we won't be able to get to talk about what Sony would have brought to the table and some of those other people. So selfishly, I'm really bummed about that. But yeah, basically Sony um, bailed on PAX and I think some other smaller developers uh, did as well. We can pull up a list. And then, of course, GDC. Now the Game Developers Conference people are pulling out of that left and right because um, that's in March. I was just looking that up. I think March 13th. So yeah, it, it's this coronavirus thing or at least the fear or prevention of it is definitely affecting our gaming world so yeah and and samuel i know you do a lot of news related topics and by the way if people are enjoying what they hear from samuel today like i said i just search samuel adams gaming into youtube but they can find you on twitter um we'll pump your stuff is do you, do you i guess you can just search jam pack report does that pull all your stuff yeah, right up as the well? jam pack report is kind of like the unifying project for all of the gaming news stuff since it's a daily okay. occurrence you know i do it five days a week but uh, yeah, the coronavirus thing is mainly affecting GDC primarily from what I've seen. I think honestly, Sony was probably looking for an excuse to pull out of PAX anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just like, hey, yeah. look at that global pandemic. Okay. <laughs> but um, yeah, they, it's an interesting time right now when it comes to not only global health, but also how it's impacting gaming supply distribution chains. Uh, when it comes to are we going to get the new generation of consoles on time? There's so much to talk about, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a good lead, and I agree. And you're right. There's a little bit more effect on GV- GDC, but the interesting thing, like you said, and I, I put this up in our polls that we'll discuss later. But um, it's a nice intro. Usually with these topics, I try to have a fun introduction to what we're uh, talking about, or like a serious quote or whatever I can find. And I I will say this because we're talking about a virus today. I had a bunch of fun stuff to pull up, but the <laughs> I had to pull up my favorite. <laughs> I know, right? I just have virus quotes. I had to pull up my favorite quote about viruses. All right. This is important. I'd like to share a revelation that I've had during my time here. It came to me when I tried to classify your species, and I realized that you're not actually mammals. Every mammal on this planet instinctively develops a natural equilibrium with the surrounding environment, but you humans do not. You move to an area and you multiply and multiply until every natural resource is consumed, and the only way you can survive is to spread to another area. There is another organism on this planet that follows the same pattern. Do you know what it is? A virus. Human beings are a disease. A cancer on this planet. You are a plague and we are the cure. Does anybody know who that is? Come on, Josh, you gotta know. It, I knew exactly which quote you are going to pull as soon as you said you had a virus quote. And I was not wrong. <laughs> no. so. Really? Are you serious? Yes, no, I oh, was, okay. I was well, certain Prove it. you were going to go with Prove the... The Agent Smith quote there. Yeah, from the Matrix. Mm-hmm. Bingo. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Which is not really about what we're talking about at all, but yet my favorite <laughs> virus quote. Okay. Um, humanity's favorite virus, you know, in sword chomp fashion. Uh, yes, that's what we thought. I, thought I can't believe herpes. you got that, Josh. I'm so proud of you. Oh, that's my favorite virus? Herpes? No, humanities. Mm. They just... Oh. <laughs> I thought you said that was mine. I was like, that's fucked up. Um... <laughs> I mean, it seems like it, right? They just 
Based yeah, on the numbers. It's top three. Top three. I'll give it that. Top three viruses. Um, so, but yeah, uh, on, a, on a serious note, <laughs> Sony, Sony's gone. The mayor of, uh, you guys saw this. This is also in a poll um, that I put up. The mayor of Boston came out and he said, uh, Sony's decision to back out of PAX East reinforces harmful stereotypes. And as a leader in technology, you can show that you are motivated by facts and not fear, which a lot of people message me about this week. Um, all over the place. Do you guys have thoughts on this in general? Um, I mean, Samuel, you're the guest. I'll let you lead, and we'll go around Robin here. Well, you already kind of told us your thoughts on Sony. It kind of in a, I kind of agree with you. They probably just wanted an excuse not to show up. Um, but in general, like with these concerns around this, and like let's just say the, the mayor right there in that situation. Do you agree with what he's saying, or it's hard because the biggest factor that you have to take into consideration is that when it comes to packs, a lot of people go for the big players, specifically PlayStation. Like, I mean, one of the biggest things was this was the first time The Last of Us 2 was going to be playable on a show floor. So that would have brought people that literally bought plane tickets, paid for hotels, paid to go out to restaurants to Boston for that entire weekend that now have pulled out. So the city of Boston is losing plenty of money, and that's obviously why he's making the statement. I think it's kind of off to say that um, that it's uh, getting into kind of the, uh, how did you phrase it? What was the direct quote uh, where it was like derogatory or some kind of negative uh, assumption? No, they're reinforcing harmful stereotypes. Yeah, harmful stereotypes. Whenever he says harmful stereotypes, are you talking about the fact that people are getting paranoid around asian people because if you're playing pulling that card in a public statement that's a bold move <laughs> you know because yeah, that's I was, not yeah i was confused by that statement like what harmful stereotypes are being reinforced by sony pulling out i'm confused yeah, I think everybody well, I, I can is. let me elaborate just a second. He said these fears reinforce harmful stereotypes that generations of Asians have worked hard to dismantle. Um so there you go. They trigger our worst impulses to view entire groups of people with suspicion, to close ourselves off and to miss out on opportunities and connections our global city provides. Boston is united in our efforts to dispel these harmful and misguided fears. That's so off base. Yeah. That, no, there's that been statement. Yeah, there's been a lot of that around in other cities. You know, like I've I've seen an awful lot of, uh, you know, talk of people just abandoning Chinatowns. Like, oh no, we're just we're not going to go there. That's just too scary. But in this situation, there's literally nothing. It's what an Asian company <laughs> pulled out because. There were a bunch of gamers around, and gamers are filthy. So I, I can I can see not wanting to reinforce that stereotype, that one hundred percent true stereotype. Um, so we, we we need to we need to do something to uh to curb that. Well, but but to be fair, I agree with you, Josh. But gamers have always been filthy. Yeah. <laughs> so um, that's nothing new. But yeah, when it comes to it's, that, like I've heard the the news reports and the reports from like Twitter and stuff where there is a unfair treatment of people of any kind of Asian descent, like people are just being generally, it is racism when it comes down to it, so, you're saying that. So that's happening right now, you'd say globally, in, like in United States, you're, you're yeah, seeing, in I see, I don't follow the news that closely, yeah. so I this is this is good to know for Yeah, me, it's a global so. thing where you do see people that are just treating people of Asian descent differently okay. in this okay. specific day and time, but 
in this specific instance where you're blaming Sony pulling out on the fact that it's kind of a racist move, you're connecting two dots that have no specific correlation at all. Yeah, that's the weird part. Yeah. 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 Agreed. In, unless odd. PAX is, is held in Chinatown, yeah. which, which could, we could be completely yeah. off. I, <laughs> yeah. Is it? I don't think it is. It's not. No, I can't. I, no. Right. Watch, watch it be in Chinatown right. or something. In Boston's and Chinatown. But. Like, I, I guess to speak to that a little bit, you know, I, I've had I have had some friends reach out to me and they're like and family members and they're like, are you OK over there? And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. And they're I, I have no idea what they're referencing, of course. And I've real I've now realized what they're asking. But they're like, well, yeah, the coronavirus is huge over there. I'm like, well, it's not all of Asia, like not the Asian continent is suddenly the cesspool of coronavirus. Yes, there have been some cases in Japan, but it's much worse in other countries like China or Taiwan. Um, the countries that are more connected to the main mainland of uh, Asia, granted, Taiwan is not, but closer to the mainland. And it, yeah, I, it's it's interesting because people I do think, ask you that a lot. <laughs> I think I think that people like Western countries don't really are people who have not traveled outside of their own country kind of don't have this um this realization that not every asian country is just filled with coronavirus however however that being said it is circled around here because obviously that's where it has originated or at least that's where it's been discovered so when I kind of when I consider the mayor's statement of that, yes, it's off base and I don't like it and I don't agree with it. But at the same time, I, th I think I see to some degree what he was trying to say that basically people, especially and if you are self-aware of how people in Western countries are and are not acquainted with what's going on in Asia and how it's all connected, then yeah, it is going to reinforce some harmful stereotypes. I can I can understand that. I just don't think the way he presented it was the best, and I don't think when he presented it was probably the best either. So it's 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 interesting. It's interesting. I have a very well, very yeah, different a, unique perspective yeah. on it right now. I I agree, and yeah, and I. Here's the weird thing. I think he was on the right track, but on the wrong fucking train because um, for my age metaphor, because I actually uh, thought that he before I really dug into the article, I thought he meant that the harmful re a stereotype they're reinforcing is sort of like that uh, fear mongering where, you know, like you know, right now they're spreading this sort of idea of fear. Like, oh, Sony pulls out and then other people are going to get scared. Are they going to pull out? Like all it takes is one big person to think, well, if they really feel like there is a concern here and, you know, fear mongering sells everywhere. Like there's a fine line between reporting information and also selling fear. But that's why these the news is so popular right now, because fear sells, you know, people can't turn away from the television. So I thought that that's what he was referring to uh, until I started right. digging deeper. And then I was like, oh, man, you had a good point. But then when you elaborated, you sat, you completely missed it, you know? <laughs> right. Uh, for me, at least. Yeah. I, I don't know if, like, I, I don't know if I can agree with your statement that, like, news is big now because of fear-mongering, because that's always been the case. Fear has always been a selling point in in our history with news. You can You go back in thousands of years of history – and of course, that's what's always sold. But I think it's—I think what you're more referencing, and I, I do agree with you, is because we're so interconnected now with everything. We have 
instant news in our pocket that it even more so sells and in a different way. It's instantaneous. It's not you have to go in and read it. You know, like it's everywhere. Yeah, you can get coronavirus can alerts on, on your phone. Bing! <laughs> right. Yeah. I log into Reddit. I log into Facebook. I log into uh, whatever news site I get information from. I log into some weird website about anti-vaxxers. Um, I, like I can get fear-mongering news literally anywhere. So yeah. I think that's kind of more what you were leading towards. But yeah, it's... Yes. No, no, you're right. I just want to say you're right. I If I if you got that from what I was saying, I misspoke a little bit. You're absolutely right. Yeah. 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 And it's, I mean, it's a big concern. Like one thing that I was telling you guys about yesterday, um, not you, Sam, unfortunately, but you're going to get to hear it now, is that uh, in Japan two days ago, uh, the Prime Minister Shinzo Abe had announced that he strongly urged all public schools in Japan to close down to prevent further spread of the coronavirus. Now, that obviously affects me because my job is to work in one of the public schools in Japan. So it was a big concern yesterday. Um, you know, I went to work not knowing if the next month I'm going to be working and getting a paycheck, um, which, I mean, that's a concern for myself. And some people may be like, well, what about the children? Yeah, I agree. Trust me. I'm very concerned for the children because, you know, I'm worried about it. But also I got to put food on the table. So I'm worried about that for myself. I'm worried about for the students because they're basically being deprived three weeks of lessons um, in all their subjects. And on top of that, uh, now a lot of students aren't going to be able to watch their their older friends or brothers and sisters graduate from whatever it is, high school, junior high school, elementary school. But um, most schools are actually heeding the advice and closing down. And a lot of people here have been kind of freaking out. They're like, oh man, this, this means it's an epidemic at this point. They're freaking out. And I'm telling my friends and I'm telling people, it's not because it's an epidemic. It's for preventative measures because Japan and other countries have learned from viruses and issues like swine flu and SARS in years past that if you let this perpetuate, then it does become an epidemic. So Shinzo Abe's philosophy there was there are some people in Hokkaido, the northernmost main island in Japan, some students that got that contracted the coronavirus. So the idea there was like, Let's stop the infection and the spread now before it becomes an epidemic. But people are running away with it and making their own narrative being like, oh, this means it's an epidemic. We got to, you know, they're freaking out. And it's like, no, don't freak out. Still be safe. Just take preventative measures. And I think that's kind of how I'm relating this to the topic at hand with companies pulling out of PACs. Um, they're talking about stopping the Olympics in Japan. I'm sure it's going to affect TGS, Tokyo Game Show, later this year. I'm sure it's going to affect different conventions around the world. And it's not because it's an epidemic. It's because they're trying to employ preventative measures. And I think that's the biggest distinction that needs to be made right now. Yeah. Yeah, like, it's... Anytime... It's it's a little weird because we have freaked out because of the news cycle over different different uh, diseases that have ended up not really affecting anyone at all, and so swine flu and any of them Ebola swine flu it, it's never affected anyone in the states. I mean, like yes, there were one or two cases, but personally, statistically, 
you weren't affected. Um, and when stuff starts getting canceled, stuff that's actually affecting you, what you mean? Sony is not going to be at this thing. It, that's a thing I'm going to. It becomes something you notice, and it I, it is it is scaring people. I think actually seeing some of these, like Shay's saying, preventative measures actually taking place. Um, but but again, I don't think that's a reason to freak out. I think that is a good thing. Like we do need to we we need to start scaling some of these things back just because it's a gaming convention. It's for entertainment for people. Like there's no reason to risk making a situation worse that could end up getting people killed because of video games. Um, and that's, I don't know, like it's, it's going to take a little bit of effort to kind of try to get that message across and have everyone, you know, really be on board with it. Um, cause it is scary. Right. It's, this is not, this is something a lot of people don't have any experience with. And you know, it's, it's a big scary thing that again, the, a lot of, a lot of people in the media are pushing for ratings to scare you. Um, well, but, but Josh, don't you think that's a little bit of a dangerous, I'll just say this quickly. Don't you, the, I, the issue I have with that is that I feel like if it is a legitimate concern, then the, then you just sort of cancel the event. Like the, the, having one, what is Sony not going to be there go, being there really going to change? Is so is unless they're bringing a bunch of the coronavirus over, what is Sony pulling out going to really affect in your eyes? Uh, well, we already said that people who were there f- to see Sony won't be there. Obviously, they had a big showing on the show floor, so it would have been probably fifty plus staff traveling from. Who knows where? Some, a lot of them are probably gonna be from stateside because they've got a, you know a big enough force here. But they're well, gonna also be traveling internationally. Yeah. That's a lot but, of extra yeah. people traveling around for a gaming convention. But that's the thing: you have people in the states that could just show up and do it, and you just leave the people overseas where they are. It's that's, not. That's you're telling me Sony cannot. No, that's the point. Enough it's people. Not, to that's get... the point. It's not just in China at this point. It's basically already in every country. So right, and I'm, with the incubation period of this being contagious for about half a month say. before there are any symptoms, that, you don't want to be shipping people all over the place. Yeah. I was going to say convention. It's just not worth say, the risk. Incubation period is even longer than that. Actually, they're predicting, like they're even predicting longer. it's an incubation period of fifty days. So to add to this, I'm sorry to interrupt. I'm sorry to interject. And I know, Sam, you've been chomping at the bit here to interject. So I apologize. One thing I do want to say, Morgan, is if we give Sony the benefit of the doubt that that's the true reason why they pulled out, let's hypothetically just say that that is the true reason why they pulled out. If you think from the time period that they announced that to now, like they still haven't even hit that theoretical 50-day incubation period. So if, you know, they have a few guys come over here, which whether or not they need those guys to come over here to explain certain concepts of what they're doing at their booth, you know, let's, let's hypothetically also say that they need those people. They don't know if they have the coronavirus. You know, it hasn't incubated for that full 50-day. I don't know if that's arbitrary or not. And then they bring it over. And then they just push it out, you know, into a giant convention. Yeah. Suddenly we do have an epidemic at that point. Suddenly we have thousands of potential carriers at that point, And we have to wait 50 days to know if they were carriers. And that's, well, not just that's that. when it be, it's, does it's, become an it's epidemic. A, yeah. It's a, it's a 
it's a convention. Everybody comes home with from those things with the flu anyway. So you get that many people with symptoms that mirror the coronavirus. It's just or a nice case of herpes. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's that's a we come home from these uh, these uh, <laughs> child nations. Wow. No, Sam. What do you think about all this? Obviously, we're all over the place. A little bit of disagreeance there, but what are you you're absorbing this? What do you think about it? I mean, when it really comes down to what I actually believe the purpose is behind all the cancellations is that a conference has, as you guys know, a lot of moving parts. And so it's not necessarily about having one international team come over that has a hypothetical infection or whatever that might be. It's the fact that you have people from Minnesota getting on a plane and going to a airport that then had somebody that that did have this sickness that touches a handrail or uses the same bathroom stall or whatever it might be. And it spreads just by the fact that a lot of global people are moving at the same time. And so having all of those people congeal in one location, not only does it prevent or uh, promote any kind of illness spreading in the convention hall, like you already said, they usually do. But the travel to get there is, I think, the main cause of the worry is just the fact that every international country is kind of in the same location at some point in time. And that can impact you in a lot of ways, you know? Yeah. I mean, it could even be, yeah. say it's not altruistic at all. They didn't want to show up and risk catching it from who knows who, who's going to be coming through their booth over the weekend. Right. Well, I, so. I, I, like, I agree with your, technically what you're saying, I actually agree with 100%, but I, I think the way that Sony's connecting the dots is why I agree with you at the beginning, Sam, and we were joking about this. They've already shown they don't really care much for consumer-facing conferences as much as they used to. I mean, that's why they cancel on E3. So it's not really that hard to believe, like you said, that they would cancel on... Look for kind of a reason, like, oh, we got to fly these people across the country and set everything up, show them this game that's just going <laughs> to yeah. be out in May anyway. I, I can't give Sony the benefit of the doubt because they've shown over the past two years that they really don't give a shit about, like, E3 and stuff like that. So, like, I, I just don't I just don't believe it. Yeah. Um, it's like whenever... Uh, like. Whenever I was getting ready to leave work this afternoon, somebody texted me and was like, hey, you want to hang out tonight? No, I don't want to hang out tonight. And I was like, what kind of? Oh, shit. I have a podcast to do anyway. All right. I'm good. Don't worry about it. Yeah, I can hang out tonight because I have a podcast to do. So yeah, that's yeah. ass. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So now I don't have right. to hang out anyway. That's what Sony's saying. We and- didn't want to hang out. Now we don't have to. <laughs> That, that corporate speak too, I've, especially as someone's worked for these giant corporate, you guys, if you have as well, it's just as somebody at the top, just it's the safeguard. You don't show up because you care about your the lives of your employees. No one's going to argue with that. It's the, it's the, the, it's the 100 percent. Exactly. Right. I, I just think it's, in this case, because of the lack of. I mean, there's people flying every day, right? Same all over our our country. I mean, every day there's giant concerts, other conventions getting together that are... I just feel like I don't... The idea of it at this point, um, them pulling out, especially just really them, is just weird to me. Um, the fact that this is still going on, a lot of... Uh, and all these other large companies don't seem to have an issue with it. Yes, there's going to be conventions and travel, and it's not great for... Gen- like, like Josh said, people leave these things like with the flu all the time. That's normal. But... That's happening every day, everywhere. That's life. We're living. We have to, we can't let that sort of fear hold us back. If there's an obvious thing, like we don't want to send a bunch of our people from areas that have been around the infection over to the United States because that doesn't seem intelligent. I 100% get that. I just find it strange that they couldn't find enough manpower, Sony Entertainment, in the United States to just get a couple of kiosks of The Last of Us 2 set up to, you know, it's just like, 
Oh, I just want to strangle them well, sometimes. They make me so mad. It, I mean, maybe it's more of a business decision at this point. Like we kind of talked about it a few weeks ago where Microsoft, you know, they their main source of income is not the Xbox. But it is a great source of income for them. It's probably one of their top ones, but it is not the main thing that they rely on. Whereas Sony, the main thing they rely on is PlayStation. So we don't like as far as I know, like because I'm not far enough in the industry to know, nor do I have enough knowledge, nor do I care, to be truthfully honest, uh, which is redundant. But anyways, I <laughs> but anyways, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes with business strategies. We don't know what Sony is trying to do, what they think is, is or isn't in their best interests. So maybe they're approaching this a very different way through their own market research, through their own business practices that they think is best for them. And maybe they think it's a good business decision to save their money, not go to conventions, waste all this time and this energy and this money to do it. I don't know. Again, I'm not I'm not for or against whatever Sony does in terms of conventions. I don't know. But I think it's fair to say that there's probably some behind-the-scenes stuff that is going on that they're not releasing to the general public because they are in a quote-unquote console war to see who's going to be better next gen. But the one thing I will say is this. I'm not going to shit all over Sony for whatever they chose to do, going to PAX, not going to PAX, using the coronavirus as an excuse or its actual reason. Because at the end of the day, I realize, like you just said, Morgan, that it's a big corporation. It's a few guys making the choice. And I'm sure there are people at Sony that were like, fuck, I really wanted to go to PAX East. I really wanted to go there. It was going to be my first convention working there as a member of Sony. Or I wanted to go there and show off all this cool stuff we've been working on and designing. But the decision was made by one or two higher ups. And that's just the way it goes. Now, should we hold all of Sony accountable? Maybe because it's a company, it's a brand and they need to be held accountable, (laughs) but I don't think we should hold, you know, like, and I don't think you're doing this, Morgan. I don't think we should hold everybody at Sony accountable because it's not everyone's decision, as you know. Just, just the fear thing. I just don't think at this point it's a good, whatever we've, I think we've all said our piece on that. Um, wait pretty well, actually, maybe Sony just didn't want herpes. Maybe that's the lesson mm. here that we are missing. They didn't oh, want shit. You know, their employees to go there, have wild uh, PlayStation orgies, and to come back fuck. with disgusting blisters on their genitals. I think that's what we are coming to find out here. You know? <laughs> hmm. I just... <laughs> um. You know, I don't really like the term blister and genital in the same sentence. So if we could try and avoid that in the future, that would be cool. I, I was actually going to be more graphic, orgy but I don't, like, together. I stalled. Oh, PlayStation I Orgy was too much for you? No, I like, no, that's it's good. <laughs> oh, you, oh, good. Yeah, okay, I'm good okay, with okay, that. Good. Yeah, perfectly fine. Yeah. I was going to say the, uh, the blisters were guy. pussing and <laughs> oozing and, like, I was going to go into oh. really graphic description, but. Well, I got to. You know. Uh, uh, pussing. <laughs> Just. God. Come on, you're turning me on, Shay. Stop. Um, I'm getting all <laughs> getting excited over here. Um, you know what it is? I just figured it out, guys. <laughs> it's an insidious deeper layer where they don't want bad press subconsciously for The Last of Us 2 because it's about a virus that's taking over everyone and uh, yeah. killing everyone. So that's really what it's about. 
it, Boom. somebody on Twitter said that is going to be a bitch to market because oh, dude, right now, oh my it's, God. the timing is so, I mean, you could say it's great and awful at the same time because it's incredibly relevant, you know, it is very relevant, but it's just like, you know, now you're going to have, oh, you're going to have a, uh, you know, complaining Karen over here where it's like this game company just made a, a game about the coronavirus. Yeah, I need to steal that and put that on my Twitter and just pretend like I never heard this from anyone. So I got it from Twitter, that. so. Yeah, and you, and I don't know who said it, so it's just hearsay at this point. Yeah, there I'm you just go. Spreading it. I'm just spreading it like a virus. Um, anyways, that it is what it is. We'll see what happens with the rest of these conferences. And uh, I, it's sad because I've turned so far against Sony in a public way, but like I just sit around playing my PlayStation all day. So it's just like... They're constantly gagging me with their big, beautiful console, and it's just like, I'm not happy about it, but here I am taking it. So, yeah, that's what it I is. think that's a good question, though, to open up really quickly is, is this a BBC. legitimate fear for future, for future conventions? Is this something that the average consumer should be concerned about convention-wise going forward? Well... I have a patron, Shay, I'm glad you mentioned that, who I wanted to read what they had to say because they are not only a patron of Sorchomp, but a paying customer of this convention. Jason Peacock. I think it's absolutely fucking stupid. All the, by the way, whatever this person has to say, we're, <laughs> I'm glad we got our discussion out of the way. So this person has some thoughts and I want to make sure their thoughts are heard because they paid some money. I think it's absolutely fucking stupid. All the fear mongering the media put out actually convinced these companies to stay home. The virus isn't widespread in North America. So what the fuck companies? I repeat, it's fucking stupid. I paid good money for these tickets. Also, sorry for sounding super bitchy. I'm sitting at the airport with my wife and she keeps telling me that other companies have pulled out a pack seats to the last minute. minute. So he's sitting in the airport, literally reading about these companies leaving one by one as he's just like I spent all this money I'm in an airport I'm ready to go to this thing there's not a real legit reason that I can see at least based off of my personal opinion in the news to be pulling out and that's his opinion so there you go strong thoughts yeah. everyone can just nod here it's all just not yeah, it's that is an interesting thing though because that's that's another thing that's kind of more so with GDC so far than with PAX because it was you know just the time frame of it, so many people have pulled out of GDC that it's getting to the point where they're going to need to start offering free refunds because, like, it, it's past time when you could get a refund for your GDC tickets. Um, but so many people have dropped out that quick, quick interjection. Uh, at seven o'clock, they actually postponed the entire conference. Okay. What? Okay. So yeah, been postponed. All right. Wow! See, GDC has been postponed until late summer, and they're offering refunds because the tickets cost anywhere between fifteen hundred and thirty-five hundred dollars. Good. Last I heard, they hadn't announced anything about that, but that was you know a couple hours ago. So yeah. And so you know I cut I cut yeah. my podcast at six. The news broke at six fifty-nine, and I'm like, oh, thank you so much. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. So, it's so I, nice of you. If I, yeah. if I just taken a shit and then recorded the podcast, I would have been golden. But no. Fun. You know, that's one thing we've all learned doing this podcast. You always take a shit first, <laughs> then do the podcast. I'm I'm just disappointed you don't shit while you're doing the podcast, Sam. <laughs> you got that. Uh, you, guys, you guys think I'm wearing pants right now, so I mean, there's that. <laughs> if you think for one goddamn minute I'm not so on I know, the I toilet, just painted my lower room half green, is covering so I can... it, you're terribly mistaken. Yeah. 
I, I guess that was more along the lines of what I was thinking that PAX would do. If they felt like there was a legitimate concern, people were pulling out, they would say, look, here's a refund. We're just not going to hold the thing. But maybe it was too late. Maybe maybe Sony held their hand because Sony pulled out so late that they were kind of stuck in a weird spot there. Uh, at least that was my understanding that Sony pulled out very late. I can um, relate to that. Yeah. Pulling out late? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> pull, pull out early. Well, no, play it safe. Um, all right. Well, that was a lot of fun. I just had that one really good comment. I had a couple other comments, but they were, this was a tough topic for our community because as you can tell, it was a tough topic for us, as you can tell, to really kind of fall down on. You know, if you come down on this on, against Sony, it sounds like you're against human life, which is absolutely 100% my stance. I just want people to know that. Yeah, no, mm. no, we're <laughs> human life. Yeah, that, that can, we yeah. can take it or leave it. Yeah, Josh and me can finally agree on something. Uh, human life, th- thumbs, thumbs down. Uh, anyways, uh, if you enjoy what we do, please go to patreon.com slash swordchomp. Look for all the fantastic ways you can support us. Patrons, our family, they are supporters. They keep us alive. Um, we have amazing tiers like special podcasts that you can get at our $10 tier. We have top secret YouTube like let's play sort of videos on our $5 tier along with a VIP Instagram page that you can get access to um, just throw us a dollar if you want anything you want to give means the world to us patreon.com slash sword chomp and uh, become part of the family that and is most importantly Morgan mentioned tears but he didn't mention if you sign up you also get a special vial of our milky tears that's at the $100 level. The value is unprecedented. It's just... <laughs> it really We're coming is. after the bathwater <laughs> whole stint. We're coming after that. It's a mm. limited supply. Um, for some reason, nobody has bought one Speak yet, for but yourself. it is a limited supply. <laughs> that's true. That's true. What? <laughs> I take it back. Um, <laughs> Breaking news. Unlimited <laughs> supply. That's right. No, one thing I do want to say in all seriousness, because we are coming off the coronavirus talk, because I've actually had people message me because for some reason they think because I went to school for biology, I know it. Like I know everything about, you know, virus information and whatnot. But the, the few things I will say is this through my research, through my reading of articles, the best thing you can do for yourself uh, in order to prevent the virus, if you so choose, which I would recommend you just buy a case just in case, like a box just in case, is to get some of those masks. And it's very common over here in Japan. I know it's not common in U- in the U.S. and some other Western uh, countries. The second you put the mask on, don't touch the mask until you are done with it and you're taking it off for good. And the reason why that is, obviously, you're going to get germs on the mask and then it's ineffective anyways. Uh, don't alter the mask in any way if you use it as well. Um, change your mask often. Yeah, I don't, I don't mean like 10 times a day, but like, let's say I put it on at the beginning of the day and then I go to eat lunch, change it. Simple as that. Um, make sure you are obviously drinking plenty of water. Uh, wash your hands with soap and hand sanitizer if you don't have any kind of allergies to either one of those. Doing both is very, very important. A lot of people think hand sanitizer only will be effective. That is not true. You need to do both. Plain and simple. Mm-hmm. Um, there have been a lot of studies that show if you gargle water for 30 seconds multiple times throughout the day, you are less likely to get sick from any kind of sickness that is airborne or 
comes into contact through bodily contact. So make sure you gargle multiple times a day. It doesn't need to be any kind of specific solution or anything like that. Just water. Um, if you don't believe me, there are multiple studies. You can go look it up on Google Scholar. Uh, last but not least, and I think this is pretty common sense, but just as a reminder, don't touch your fucking face at all throughout the day unless you've washed your hands, you're sitting in front of your sink, you're taking a shower, and you've already washed your hands, fine. Otherwise, don't touch your face. That is the single biggest way people get sick. They fidget around with their nose, they scratch their nose, they're getting something off their mouth, they're rubbing their eyes. Easiest way to get sick. So. Yeah. If you follow these things, you are less likely to get sick in general, but you are more likely to avoid coronavirus. And obviously, don't be walking around your local grocery store giving any, any and every random person a high five. I know um, it sounds fun, but don't do that either. And you should be good. And uh, we'll make sure to email on the, I'd say, note the CDC about the next big virus that comes around. Please think about Samuel Adams. Uh, virus is really what we want uh to. you know yeah i've been coming up with uh like i, I came up with uh budweiser bacteria and the ale mint those were the two that i that i came up with hey. for the next big oh, big okay. thing but yeah so right. we're, we're brainstorming here well, it's not I really like a it. brand though you're like helping it. you need a theme song <laughs> uh, we'll get to work on that a virus for sure. theme song yeah hmm. <laughs> Uh, anyways, um, I, these, now that we're done with the topic and we're going to talk about some games, I did want to say this. Um, I, there was a very, I thought interesting, um, cause I was like kind of scanning the internet last night looking for, uh, the, the runner up quote, quote, by the way, it was <laughs> an idea is like a virus resilient, highly contagious. And even the smallest seed of an idea can grow. It can grow to define or destroy you. You know what that's from Shay? Um, no, it sounds very familiar. Actually, the Mr. Smith one sounded familiar and I couldn't remember what it was from. I don't remember what this one's from, but it sounds very, very familiar. And I have a feeling I'm going to regret not knowing it. Uh, it's hard to remember these stuff. Uh, this one is Inception. Actually, oh, fuck. You're right. You're right. Because Leonardo DiCaprio says it. That's right. Okay. Um, fuck. yeah, that's right. Cobb. Old Cobb, um, and I, I. His name was yeah, Cobb. I, yeah. Wow. Just remember, as um, shows shows exactly how well the mo- ideas in that movie have have caught on. <laughs> Cobb. His name was Cobb. Come on, Josh. That was one of the best movies I have ever seen in the movie theater. It's still in my top ten of best movies of all time. Really? Watch your mouth. Well, I come on, Shay. I love that movie, but top ten. Let's do it. Watch but, your mouth. Samuel Adams, break the ties. Inception, one of the top ten movies of all time. No. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> no. Sorry. Sorry. I, didn't, Sorry, I didn't even need to think about that one. God, no. I'm okay with that. Thought. I'll die on that hill. I'll die on that hill. It's one of my favorite top ten yeah. movies of all time. You, you'll there is you it one you'll of the die top on that hill. Movies of Surrounded all time? by ten mediocre no. movies that you just happen to like. <laughs> Well, I would technically be surrounded by... <laughs> oh, yeah, 10. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Because at the end of the day, I know my tastes, and I'm cool with that. And you guys can die on your hill with your top 10 mediocre movies of all time as well. We'll all be, like, on separate hills across from each other, just shouting at each other. 
as we're dying. Well, well, so okay. my hill is mediocre now too, just because it's not very nice. It's all of our it hills is are probably mediocre. mediocre. <laughs> we probably all think our hills are mediocre. Um, the top of my hill is no country for old men. What about you, Samuel? What's on the top of your hill? Oh, number one movie. Mm. Pulp Fiction's up there. Oh yeah, I'm a, pulp I'm a big my boy. Fan of pulp Fiction. Yeah. yeah. yeah there's a, on my on my mediocre hill. There's at least five Quentin Tarantino movies. Oh, that's immediately. Amazing. Yeah. Oh, I think you two are on like... the same hill. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. I think so too, actually. <laughs> uh, now I want to know what's on everyone's hill. Okay, <laughs> we we know we have infect infection. We we have inception on Jay's hill. <laughs> we have what's infection. on what's on Josh's hill? What's on your hill, Josh? Mm. I have to ask. Goodness. I've not thought about that in a long time. Let's see. Josh doesn't believe in hills. Probably the big Lebowski. Mm. Oh, wow. A Coen's brother. A weird Coen's. Hey, we both have a Coen's brothers movie, Josh. Look yeah. at There you go. That's, I, that's probably near the top. I don't know if it's the top, but it's. I'm sure that one's on there. I have a bowling fetish, apparently. Hmm. Stoner, stoner bowling fetish. Well, the movie really ties the rest of the hill together. Yeah. It, <laughs> is that a rug joke? Yeah. <laughs> there was an attempt there. I saw it. It was yeah, it was good. It was good. I know. I had to make it obvious, but I had to make sure that I got it. So that's mm-hmm. the problem. Yeah. <laughs> that's the problem. Yeah. I think there should also be an honorable mention to John Hughes movies as well. Like all the classic 80s, like yeah. Ferris Bueller's Day Off and all the yes. trains, planes, and automobiles and all that. Like that's all in my hill. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you got mm-hmm. a weird hill. I mean, did you have a, <laughs> do you have a hot take on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? I haven't seen it. Oh. That's the one what? I haven't seen. Yeah, I haven't gotten around to it yet. It's wild. Check it out. Yeah. That's I might pretty much that the only Tarantino movie I actually like really enjoyed. Like the rest of them I found. I really? like it. You'll hate it. <laughs> Moderate to minimal enjoyment, but that one, <laughs> I really enjoyed that one. Yeah, I don't but, know, man. Just uh, like Hateful Eight, the artistic nature of that movie was phenomenal. Pulp Fiction's great. Uh, I like Django Unchained. I was going to yeah, say Django, like Django. The soundtrack Django, yeah. kills it. <laughs> just, I, see, Hateful Eight kind of lost me, but um, hmm. I was not bored the whole time. I just, when it was over, I was like, huh. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. we have a lot of fights about Quentin Tarantino on this podcast. Understandable. So it's 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 only fair that you get your your swings in now. Yeah, yeah. I give him my best. Look, they can't Sam. What do you think dialogue. about M Night Shyamalan? Okay. <laughs> not really my cup of tea. Like I get it, but it's not for me. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's just that's just where I'm sitting on it. You can't rile me up on Men Night Shyamalan anymore, Shay. I will say this: I've been watching his new TV show called Servant, which is on Apple TV, which I guess nobody has. I think everyone has Apple TV, but no one watches it. It's none of those things you just said actually exist, do they? (laughs) (laughs) I I promise they do. Okay. (laughs) That whole thing sounded like you were just bullshitting us, like all of that. that. that show is the most fucked up show to watch. It's about a family that had a 13-week-old baby that died, like SIDS or something, right? And so they they developed themselves in a form of a fringe therapy to cope by having like a fake baby that they take care of because the mother was so distraught that she had a psychotic break. I have a 13-week-old baby in my house right now. <laughs> so like I'm watching this show um, and it's like it's, it's a television show and it's not just Shyamalan. It's directed by other people and there's a lot of people involved. And... Uh, it is really 
interesting. I'm only like three episodes in. But yeah, Shay likes to bring it up because we have a lot of great fights about Shyamalan. I'll defend his first three films. Anything after The Happening, I don't really care about. I can take it or leave it. So. That's like, well, first off, I want to say that, like you said, there are other people working on the TV show. I just want to imagine M. Night Shyamalan literally doing everything except acting on set. He's running the cameras. He's running the sound. He's directing. Like He's just <laughs> frantically running around doing everything like, and action. And then he runs over to the camera and he has he's holding the boom stick up while he's holding the camera at the same time. I want to imagine that first off. But second, yeah. I do want to say that Morgan said that he defends M. Night Shyamalan's first three movies, and then he went anything after The Happening, which was like Shyamalan's 10th movie. And I'm going to tell you what, The Happening was not, not good. Mm. And about three movies before that were not good at all. No, that's a good point, Shay. I mean, look at this, this way. He's at least on an upswing now, like... Glass was all right, Split was really good, and that movie about the creepy uh, grandparents was all right, too. So he's on an upswing. M. Night is on an upswing, all right? Um, I do like the he's, idea that a lot... He's done better as of late. He has done that, better as of late. I will admit that. I, I do think having kids in his case kind of... <laughs> he's one of the few cases as a director. I, I've analyzed his movies almost shot by shot over the years because I was a creep when, his, when they first came out. The Village, uh, Signs, Unbreakable... Six cents when they first came out. Um, yeah, because I used to have a lot of extra time on my hands. I used to buy DVDs and watch them over and over again. Um, now that time goes to other things <laughs> <laughs> um, that are no better or worse. But uh, what I was gonna say was, he's one of the few directors I've seen where, like, he went through a period with like a couple films where it was like he just forgot. Like, you don't see any of his signature directing techniques and stuff like that. Like, he just didn't use things. It was weird. Like. Nothing about them, like, if you hadn't told me it was an N. Night Shyamalan movie, I wouldn't have seen those, like, traits that I had gotten used to all those years in his films. Uh, and he's starting to get back to that. He's one of the few directors I've ever seen where I'm like, did he just, like, he could have just forgotten how to direct, but did he lose his confidence? Did he, what happened, you know? Who knows? Dude, Who I, guess? I mean, I, I've liked, I liked a lot of his, like, very first movies. Like, I loved Sixth Sense. I loved Unbreakable. I like Signs a lot, even though there are a lot of plot holes in there. I totally understand that. Still love the movie. And I enjoyed The Village. I even enjoy, enjoyed Lady in the Water. And I know that's, I know, I know that it is not objectively a great movie, but I still enjoyed it a lot. And I think a lot of it has to do with Paul Giamatti and Bryce Dallas Howard's performances in that movie. But yeah. when he came out with the last Airbender movie, he, like, all credibility all credibility went out the window for me with that yeah. movie i was immediately Don't, done with that's tough though it's like what if we had one really awful show you wouldn't want to like oh now these guys suck it was just you have one bad moment you know here's here's the thing though morgan yeah, avatar I mean, the last we're hoping airbender, they don't notice avatar the last airbender <laughs> is one of the top three tv shows of all time and if you fuck that up it's done it's fucking done well, you know what? You know what's fucked up about that though? I didn't care for that movie either. I was like, "What?" The fucked up thing about that is it still made a shitload of money. <laughs> still, oh yeah, a lot, a lot of kids that don't know any better. So, hmm. I think it's, I think it's that, and it's um, also that I'm a excited. lot of people were like, "Oh shit, this is gonna be awesome!" Because like you, wa if you go back and watch that trailer, it actually looks like it's gonna be a pretty decent movie. And then you watch the movie, and then you realize 
I have been thoroughly bamboozled. <laughs> like, oh no, that that trailer was all they shot. Right, pretty much. That was they they that was the sizzle reel. They gave us the best mm-hmm. highlights of the movie. <laughs> I love a good bamboozling. Um I'm excited because we are talking some games today. Uh I got in touch with Samuel before the show and we are actually both playing a similar thing. We're both playing Doom in some form uh former fashion, which is kind of weird. Um why are you playing Doom games right now? Same same reason I am? Uh because two of them were $1.50 on Xbox and the other was 250. <laughs> um yeah, I'm playing Doom <laughs> 1 and 2 and then Doom 3 that have been re-released on the Xbox One. So did you, yeah. Do you have any reverence for those games? Did you play them when you were younger? Uh, I, the only one that I've really had experience with is the original Doom. And I played that whenever I was kind of coming up. You know, like you honor the classics. It's kind of like you pay homage to what mm-hmm. the predecessors played or whatever you want to call it. And yeah. so growing up, I played the original Doom, but I never got into Doom 2. And then, of course, Doom 3 is a reimagining of 1. So it's like... Oh, is it really? I didn't know yeah. that. That's cool. I mean, yeah, so all Doom is sort of a reimagining. Isn't Doom 2016 kind yeah. of a... Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, the, the entire concept is like you get to Mars and then everything goes to shit and it's just some variation of that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I've been playing Doom 3 specifically, but then last weekend I finished my first full playthrough of Halo Reach as well. So I've been intermingling Doom and Halo Reach. So it's been a good week. <laughs> All right. Wow. Yeah, I mean, that's I um on the Doom note, I, I'm with you. I bought those cheaper Doom games. I've only had time to play Doom 1. Yeah. And the analytical part of my brain, it was hard to really take anything away from it other than, oh, I this song, I know this song, or like it's bringing back <laughs> to my Super Nintendo days. But the one thing that gets me about the movement of those games, because he moves really fast, like the Doom Marine, even the old Doom game, yeah. he, he glides around, right? And in Doom 2016, which I've been playing over the past week or so. It, it's like move. It's like a hot knife through butter. It's so smooth the way you think. Is he on like fucking rollerblades or something? What what is he? Do? Is there a logical reason for why he moves that fast? I mean, I don't. I know it's supposed to be just like a joke. Like he just moves around really yeah. quickly. But yeah, I mean, it's always been a fast paced shooter. It's almost like. Did you play the um, multiplayer in Doom 2016 at all? Nope. Okay, so the multiplayer in Doom 2016 basically takes the multiplayer of Quake where it's really fast-paced, arena-based gameplay. And yeah. so it's just that speed that gives it the value. And in Doom Eternal, they're baking it into the marketing campaign by saying, run like hell. Like, you just move super fast. Yeah, like, that's the yeah. draw of the entire game. So it never has made sense, but it also gives it an identity that no other game really has. Yeah. Except Quake or, like, Unreal. Like yeah. Some of those Unreal games, I remember going pretty quick, but it's not, yeah, it doesn't feel quite the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe those games were probably inspired by doom if doom <clears throat> came first i would assume um yes yeah doom look, came first and then yeah. quake became more of the arena base yeah doom like yes. was yeah kind of its own thing for a while before we realized we could not have to call them doom likes anymore they're like there are enough of yeah. these we can stop doing doom likes it. yeah was that a thing they called them doom likes yeah yeah a wow. lot of the doom clones um, so what did that transfer into arena based shooter or what? Well, I th- I think it was around the um Half Life. I think it was around when that came out. They started just calling them first person shooters. Um mm. I don't I don't know if it was Doom like or I think they may have been Doom clones cuz we used to call everything clones back in the day. It was probably Doom clones now that I think about it. There is, there's a book Josh I've been trying to read uh for years. I don't know if you guys have seen this. It's called Masters of Doom. 
Um, how yeah. two guys. Cre- Have you read that book? I haven't read about. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's that. It's, it says how two guys create an empire and transform pop culture. So I that seems like one of those. I'm gonna try and read that before. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe. Yeah, it'd but, be a good one. Yeah, a good primer, right? To get your mm-hmm. sorry, American Cultural. Um, yeah, I I don't know. I was just trying to make a joke. I just I'd like to imagine the Doom Marine on these like nice uh, pink roller skates or something like that because he just moves so quickly as he Hell slaughters yeah. everyone <laughs> with his chainsaw. Um, that game is the gameplay in Doom 2016 is almost perfect. It is like insanely, insanely good. I have some issues with the game itself, but like I'm just going back to it now. I know it's a 2016 game, but like. Man, I I was up to like two last night. I didn't want to stop playing. I was like, man, I I like it more now than I did when it came out. It just it's so it feels so good to play. And like if you bump mm-hmm. it up to um, what is it called? Uh, I've been playing this for my my playthrough that I have on the Patreon five dollar uh, tier. You can get some of these YouTube videos of Doom. Uh, what is it called? Right above Ultra Violence. Ultra Violence is the slightly higher difficulty that people recommended playing on, and. The combat puzzle is a little more um, interesting on that difficulty, and uh, it's just yeah. tougher. And you you find yourself using all your tools. So is that what you played it on, Josh? Uh, I can't remember. Probably because I seem to remember you, you were talking about how the weapons were always out of ammo and stuff, but um, I didn't recall that being a problem. I, I think it was because I was playing on that harder difficulty where you kind of need to use the right tool for the job. Um. Yes, you, it makes you smarter. Like you're like cutting down enemies for ammo and yeah. Switching well, not just that. Weapon, like yeah. s- certain weapons are just so much more effective against certain enemy types. Um, that yes. like if you yeah. end up using the wrong one, you'll just be you'll just die. Like you won't have a chance to run out of ammo and screw yourself over. You just die if you're not doing it, um, in an efficient way. Yeah, yeah. Did you have a how? How did you feel with the 2016 Doom, uh, Samuel? Did were you? Did you, were you hot on that game? How'd you feel oh, about yeah. it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love uh, 2016 Doom just because I think it really blends a good flow of movement, gunplay, and melee combat to where it just, it's almost like, I don't know if you guys have played One Finger Death Punch, which is this, is, this game is not like One Finger Death Punch at all, but it's the flow where it just, you get into a mojo with it where it just works. Like, you don't know why, but you're just absolutely kicking ass. And then the metal soundtrack, like I still mm-hmm. listen to the soundtrack just going to the gym in the morning. Like, like I, I just cue it up on Spotify and go at it. It's great. Yeah, I love Doom. I mean, you don't need, need to play it in the gym. I mean, you could play it in the bedroom. It's mm. true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you got a hip thrust to the beat yeah. of Doom 2016. Yeah. Rip and tear that just you, could, you, could you use a second finger death punch? <laughs> uh, I think they have that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> as long as you don't just, go yeah, just, just, just give it one more, one more. I'm, more of, I'm more of a two finger death punch yeah. myself. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I like to give her the old two inch punch. If you know what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, but um, uh. <laughs> sorry, my my wife just messed with me that my kid threw up. I have a lot of kids problems with my kids tonight. Mm. Um, uh, we should probably she, stop talking about this then. No, it's fine. She's Upset, just, upset she's just, upsetting your child. Yeah, Dad's upstairs talking about two fingered mm-hmm. punches and having sex um, to the Doom soundtrack. The, <laughs> that Mick Gordon did that Doom soundtrack, and it, the other day I just watched him play a lot of the songs on his YouTube page, and they're just 
they're just great. They really are. Um, but like the weirdest thing I've noticed going back through it and trying to like get all the, I don't know if you guys got any of like the, the secrets and collectibles and stuff like that in the game. Um, but like, I never did any of that stuff cause I felt a little pressed for time when we did it back in the day. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, like those, those doom levels where you can go into the original doom, uh, like chunks of levels are, are like, I love that stuff. Like when Super yeah. Mario, I, I just love that. I'm trying to think of what was it called? Super Mario. Uh, I almost said galaxy like an idiot. Sorry. Um, Fuck, what was the name of the newest Mario game, Josh? I'm sorry, I'm spacing. Odyssey. 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 Yeah, like how you can do those... Odysseus. Blended... It's uh, Mario when Odysseus. Mario yeah. mixes with uh, Greek mythology. I want to see that Trojan horse Mario. Um, it's Luigi, actually, in the Trojan Interesting. Horse. Interesting. Is that Greek mythology? What would that look like? <laughs> That's like... Because Mario has all these costumes... Imagine him in a Greek costume. It's just a Luigi costume, and he slips out. She's like, oh. "Damn it, did it again." He's trying to get in a peach. Um, no, but the there a lot of those secret levels. I love that stuff when old, new games like pay homage and blend like those two. Like Mario Odyssey did it, where you'd have those two D sections, uh, and they flowed right into the three D game really brilliantly. I actually wish yeah. there was a lot more of that. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah it's like really one of the cool. levels in or uh, not levels, but like one of the stars that you got in. Uh... New Donk City was like going through a bunch of the old Mario games. Like in those was it in the movie theater? Yeah, the one in the movie theater where you're like um, going through a bunch of old levels with like this, you know, with the band playing in the background and whatnot, and then eventually hitting the top of the tower. It was just, it was just, it was a nice little like look, look at all the cool things Mario has done through the years, and (sighs) you get a star for it at the end. It was like, yeah, that's that's fun. That's just a nice little trip down memory lane seeing all these all these old mario games again so yeah it really was but yeah it's just fun trying to get those collectibles and they make you do some awkward platforming in doom to get some of the stuff that's kind of irritating like some of it's over like pitfalls and stuff like i i'm not even kidding you guys last night i was going for this um secret uh area that i could see on the map clearly i knew how to get to it i fell a couple times trying to get there the platforming is generally okay but they ask you to do some weird stuff sometimes um and i fell and the game like picked up my save in a weird way i guess it was because where i died the hole i fell into actually put me in a different part of the level uh, and checkpointed me in a way where i could not go back because the the airlock behind me was closed mm-hmm. um and I was like, ah, oh, fuck, that sucks. So it's a li- it was a little janky, but uh, I, yeah. I've been having fun trying to squeeze every... Did you guys get into the secrets at all? Anybody here, like, getting all, like, the little collectible Dooms toys? Uh, and... I found as many as I could find on my first time through it. Um, yeah. I didn't, like, go super didn't out of my way, but it. I think I found, like, half of them or, or so. Just kind of... Anything that caught my eye, I'd go see if I could get it. I might start a new playthrough because I know it's included with Xbox Game Pass right now. So I think I might dive in and try and go back through and get all of the little collectibles and stuff. I love whenever Doom Guy picks up like a little, it looks like a Funko Pop, you know, like the little dolls. Mm-hmm. And then he like grabs the arm and wiggles it up and down. I love that stuff. Like that gets me. I love that. It's, <laughs> it's I, cool. I love it. It's great. It's a cool little <laughs> detail that makes it so much more immersive. I think my favorite, Oh, <clears throat> excuse me. I think my favorite little hidden thing in that game is when you find the secret level that takes you to like the original doom level but it has the current monsters within it i loved that that was so cool i think that was one of the coolest things that's what i was just talking about there's one of those in every yeah 
There's one of those in every stage at every mission. Right. Yeah, I yeah. fucking I love that shit. I, I like when we talked about <clears throat> sorry, last week uh when we were talking about Uncharted and how they put that Crash Bandicoot boulder level, uh I believe it was Boulder Dash in the game. Like I just love those little nods and throwbacks to like their like a company's earlier work. It's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a great game. I do feel like the environments are pretty boring, but I just don't know what they would really have done. Like, it's tricky. I've been looking at it like, how are they going to make this space station more interesting? Because it just looks like, like a, I've had some people message me. They're like, hey, I love the game. I just think it's kind of generic. And I don't feel that way. But the look of the space station is like just, it just looks like the most, I guess, generic space station you can have. But I don't know like how you fix <clears throat> that because it's supposed to take place in kind of a generic-looking space station. So I, I'm just, like, racking my head around, you know, that's why I hope Doom Eternal is going to really get the environmental uh, aspect of the game and, a lot, you know, make it a lot more interesting. So um, it's not a huge deal. It's just one of those things where I'm like, okay, it's all kind of, a lot of these areas kind of look the same, you know, as insiders. But goddamn, that game is, just feels great to play. Oh, oh yeah. It just feels so good to play. I'm trying to squeeze every drop out of it before Doom Eternal. And I'm trying to see if there is story. Rich told us that there's some story lore in there hidden, so I'm trying to dissect it. He claims that there's a story in there. I don't know if I believe him. We'll, we'll find out. Yeah, there's a lot of reading involved. If you do all the collectibles and you get all of, like the station intel, you can go back and read more about why things happen like they did. Yeah. Yeah, it just involves actually reading, which I'm not about to participate in. Yeah, so. and find out, find out why Tilda Swinton's trying to summon the Dark Lord. Nah. <laughs> Yeah, t- yeah, it does look like Tilda Swinton, doesn't it? Um, that's, that's that's a funny part. Sixty four percent of the space station has been possessed. The other forty percent were killed by her, <laughs> Olivia. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's weird that you mentioned that because yeah, I've, I feel kind of the same. Way, so I don't know. That, I sorry, I lost. I was thinking about Tilda Swinton, and I like kind of <laughs> lost my train of thought. Going back to the Coen's brothers thing. Um, if there was a Doom movie, Tilda Swinton all the way, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I, I'm interested in, now that, like, 2016 was a packed year for us, we had, I was, like, obsessed with No Man's Sky, we had Uncharted 4, even Final Fantasy 15 was goofy and I really loved it, like, we had, ab- there was so much shit in that year, like, I feel like I, I just rented Doom and I feel like I just kind of rushed through it and I appreciated it, but I think I'm really, like, appreciating it in the truest sense now, um, so the time is right. Excellent game. Um, and then so you said Halo Reach. Why Halo? You know, it's not Halo time yet. Halo Infinite is supposed to come out to <laughs> the end of the year. What's going on? Uh, well, Reach was just added to the Master Chief Collection on PC, I think last month, I want to say. Mm. Uh, it spent a period of time in beta, but it was remade from the ground up. And then it was also added to the Master Chief Collection on Xbox. And so that was the only Halo game that I hadn't played all the way through. Because I came into the Xbox 360 generation late, so then I jumped on board, played all the Halos there, then got the Xbox One, played Master Chief Collection. I wanted to go back and finish what I started, so uh, yeah, I had some time and I (laughs) Uh, dove in. Finish the fight, one might say? Yeah, I had to to finish the fight. (laughs) But uh, yes, sir, had to finish the fight. It was was a good experience, though. I think Halo Reach is now my favorite Halo. Uh, The story is way better than any of the other ones, in my opinion, so just me, though. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> made me so sad when I heard no, right. no, 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 it's not just you. The story is far superior. Yeah, I mean, there's, there, it's a lot more depth. And then, have you guys all played Halo Reach? Yeah. Unfortunately, yes. yes. Yeah. yes. Yeah. Okay, so it's like, it really had more of an impact whenever all of the team starts getting picked off. 
you know, where it's just like you lose yeah. one and then you lose another one. And it's like, I actually gave a shit, you know, it's like, oh man, there goes all the, you know, cause you just had this giant odyssey with these people and then they're just dying automatically giving their lives for this, you know, to, to defeat the covenant. And I love that. So yeah, yeah. it's good. Yeah. Game. I, I mean, obviously goes without saying, but I'm going to say it anyways, cause uh, that's how I am <laughs> that Halo reach can't exist with without the rest of the games. And I think that's part of what makes the game so great, but I just love that. It's a self-contained story um, game game wise that you start with the story and you finish it by the end of the game. And it doesn't feel like this thing that is just drawn out Mm. so much just to keep churning out games. I mean, you look at Assassin's Creed or the Halo franchise, like two prime examples of uh, stories that have just been dragged out to be able to keep making games. Um, and it's, and there are some really good Assassin's Creed's. There are some really good Halos, but I just think that Halo reach is the best one of the franchise because it is a self-contained yeah. game from beginning to end. And in my opinion, they had mastered at the time, the online multiplayer, the Halo reach online play was so much mm, fun. Yeah. That was really good. I don't, I don't know if you can really go back and experience that kind of how it was at the time. Really? Yeah. You know, obviously the, player base isn't going to be there but uh that w- it was good that was that was a good online shooter yeah it and was, the multiplayer was... is still good on master mm. chief collection because they rebuilt the multiplayer too mm. so it's there but it's also different because everything felt different back in the day you know right yeah. right i mean like yeah obviously you look at it now and you're like well we've come so far and this is a nice little trip down nostalgia lane mm-hmm. like when they did wow classic last year but i think that those things have a very short shelf life unfortunately because you do realize that like the limitation of at the time i understand i understand that it was great and i understand exactly what they were doing and they did it so well but yeah you look at it now and you're like yeah it's dated now but for the time even at like if anyone listening goes back to halo reach obviously you're not going to be able to experience what we experienced at the time it was such a such a fun good um multiplayer experience during that time it was it really was one of the best shooters um online multiplayer shooters to come out during that time and i would even say subsequently for years i think it was one of the best ones yeah I wish I just couldn't get into the campaign as much as you guys could like the different color kind of spartans and other personalities it just felt to me like they were just I just couldn't get into their characters. I thought they were just kind of expendable. But I mean, come on, Halo Two had a talking plant, man. A talking plant. <laughs> yeah, but Halo Reach had talking protagonists. Oh, good point. <laughs> protagonist is a stretch. <laughs> but I will, I will say that Halo Two is good. I mean, I would say every Halo is good except for Four. I, I'm gonna go ahead and throw that out there. I even oh, enjoyed Halo Five. Oh no, you didn't like Four. I did not like Four. No, Four oh. was not my cup of tea. Mm. Yeah, I liked all the Tron kind of enemies, all those glowing enemies. You had the pro, what are they called, Prometheans, and they had all the, their glowy, weird weapons. I just thought it was cool that they came out with all, like a whole different race of people with different weapons and stuff. It yeah. was a cool concept, but the satisfaction wasn't there whenever you killed them. You know, like the the gunplay just didn't feel right whenever you shot somebody in the face four times and then they just like became a, a glowing black hole and just got sucked into themselves. It just felt weird. Mm-hmm. That was just mm-hmm. me, though. Hmm. I guess I could see that. Um, 
Yeah, Halo is an interesting thing because it gets everyone has like a favorite or it pulls people in different directions. I have heard the the Halo Two people always message me because they know I love Halo Two. They're like, you got to play that Master Chief Collection one because you know you got the new visuals and like they did crazy stuff with the the cinematics, like some of the best looking cinematics in anything out there. I'm like, fuck, I'm gonna I'm definitely gonna roll back through it before Infinite comes out. So. Yeah, the cinematics are amazing in Halo Two remake. It's it it is probably one of the better remakes I've seen. Very I was I was one of the people that was in line for Halo, all right? That was a different time period, I know, but I was in <laughs> line, you know, <laughs> waiting to buy Halo. Yeah. Yeah, you would definitely enjoy Morgan, it. Morgan, didn't we go to the Halo Reach release party to get I think we did actually at Hastings way back in the day. Because I if I remember yeah, correctly, I think you bought a CD at the same time too. I don't know why I just randomly remembered that, but I'm pretty sure that's what we did. Hmm. Yeah, I think it was Lincoln Park. It was the minutes to, or yes. not minutes to midnight, yes. but um, no, it was. It was ah uh, fuck. No, thousand it couldn't. It couldn't have been minutes to midnight. Was, it was yeah, yeah thousand was, suns. Yeah, definitely thousand uh, suns because that was the time. Yeah, that we were, released. Yeah, me and Shay went there. That was the first podcast you ever did with us back in our old podcast days. Was the Halo Reach podcast? That's yeah. when we met you. Yeah, that was um, one of the first ones we did. Yeah. I think by that point, I might have just been burnt out on Halo because, I mean, I, that was the fifth one and the third Xbox 360 one because people forget about Halo ODST. And at that point, it was very yeah. clear to me that they were just only recycling only one. So. No. Well, they also so had... They, so you just said Reach was good, Josh. You're jumping know, all just, over the place. I've got to, I've got to anger everyone. <laughs> just, just now your opinion is suspect, Josh. <laughs> yes. Um, well, no. they had Halo Wars come out for 362 as well, didn't they? Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Halo Wars came out. Halo Wars Two launched, but like, yeah, wasn't Halo Three? I look at Halo Three ODST like I look at Uncharted: Lost Legacy. Yes. Wh- yes where it's yeah. like, a, like it's a standalone DLC, right? Basically, okay. but like it, if it, it appealed to a lot of people because they were just going for a different tone, even though it was like kind of basically reused assets, much like Lost Legacy. A lot of people that dug ODST because it was going for a very different kind of tone. It was like almost like a a mystery novel, and you were playing a nobody instead of an all powerful Master Chief. Um, hmm. Playing one of those ODST shock troopers were just like cool looking regular dudes. So. Yeah. Yeah, I never did get around to playing that. So technically, I guess I haven't played all the Halo games then. Mm. <gasps> yeah. Oh, mm. god damn it. Oh, yeah, How will ODST you? get remade in the uh, collection? It's in there. Is it? Okay. Yeah, they added that, I think, last December. But it's not remade. It's just probably high It's def touched for- up. You know, like it's not up. rebuilt mm. from the ground up. The only two that were remade are Combat Evolved and Halo 2. Okay. Yeah, yeah. so the rest of them are just up-resed and touched matters. up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. All right, cool. Well, that's your Halo Minute. Uh, a lot of weird Halo fans here, sort of, in Josh's case. Me and Josh had a lot of epic, like, screen-watching Halo matches back in the oh, day yeah. at my, at my parents' house. Halo was house. so much was... better when you could screen-watch. Yeah, it was good times. Me and Josh traveled across the military base we were on with our with our controllers in our hand to go to some strange land party um, at the mm-hmm. time. And that was the most my nerdy ass ever left my house. So that's how addicted I was to Halo. I was willing to go to a stranger's house and play. And you know what? It was really with your it was 18 like... pound controller. Drag that thing across. <laughs> I had, you had the I Duke. Did. Yeah, <laughs> I did. I had to lug it behind me in like a wagon because mm-hmm. um, it was so heavy. Um, but yeah, it was cool. Like getting that landing party, land party experience, and like seeing people yelling like up and down the stairs, and like 
trying not to trip over land cables and all that shit. Like there was like eight or nine TVs in that house. There was like a guy with a TV in the kitchen. I remember distinctly seeing that mm-hmm. and being like, what the fuck? This is like the weirdest goddamn place, you know? But it was like magic. It was like oh, yeah. gamer heaven. No, no woman would ever touch that house, but it was still. They blessed. had to burn it down when we were done with that land party. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, anyways, thanks for the the roundup there. Uh, Shay is stuck in hell. He said he told me he's been in this Fire Emblem DLC mission for. You played it all the stream, the whole stream, right? Dude, yeah, I, dude, I. At this point, I'm on suicide watch. I I probably shouldn't joke around about it, but I'm fucking losing my goddamn shit over this mission um it it is man it has been frustrating uh i was telling sam before before the podcast like that i have tried so many different strategies besides just getting good and i cannot defeat this mission so i actually went to the internet to look it up because i was like man i can't do it and so I did that last night, like pretty much right before I went to bed. I was like, how do I do this fucking mission? I was so angry um, because like I just quit middle of the mission. I was like, you know what? I don't even want to do this shit right now. Like I, I love tactics games. I love Fire Emblem. I love figuring out how to do a mission. But th- this one has just been giving me so much stress and grief. And I was like, I just can't do it tonight. Last night, I just was not in the right, right headspace to try. So I was like, yeah. midway through, I was like, I'm done. Yeah. So I'm, I'm worried just this one mission is going to slow you down. I mean, we were looking forward to talking like The Last of Us with you and all sorts of stuff. And I feel like this mission is just going to be an albatross hanging from your neck for weeks I to might, come. I might, well, I might have to shelve it for the time being because I do need to play Last of Us. I need to start on that this weekend. But yeah, I'm, I'm going to shelve, I'm probably going to shelve it for now. Um, get into last of us. Cause I do need, need to play that game for next week, but yeah, beating my head against that this week was not fun, but I did get some, uh, smash brothers, uh, battling in there. I've been, you know, trying to understand how to play the game because like I'm notorious on this podcast for saying I will never buy smash brothers, which I ended up buying smash brothers. And I, um, fuck you, Josh. And, um, <laughs> Josh called me a twink in in the chat just for reference. But um no, I've like But I've there's o- context now so it's not offensive. Yeah, it's true. It's true. And I've been notorious for like going places and then people playing Smash and they're like, "Oh, you should play." And I'm like, "I don't know how to play Smash." And I always get my ass stomped. I'm always in last place. So I've actually learned how to play the game and I've actually been enjoying it. And uh, I've been going through unlocking all the characters, that good stuff. So that's been fun. That's like my reprieve from getting destroyed in Fire Emblem is going in, playing a few rounds in Smash, unlocking the characters, getting a little bit better at the character or characters I'm using and then calling it a night. I, 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 yeah, I really want to play. I mean, I would really love to play you, but every time I try to play Shay, it's like, no, not yet. Not I'm not yet. ready yet. I do. I am not, not yet. ready yet. Like I, I'm re- no ready. We're just friends having a good time. Ready Morgan, for what? I know you. I, kn- I know. I know. The second I play you, you're gonna be like, like I remember when you would play with fish and you would air out <laughs> the fact that you destroy him every week on the podcast. I'm not about to be that guy who is like, oh, I'm just my my weekly getting my dick stomped by Morgan and then not hearing the end of it. So I gotta, I gotta prepare. I gotta prepare. Sam, do you play Smash? 
uh, I play Smash. I'm a social Smash player. So it's like if I have uh, some friends at work that want to play during our lunch break, sure, I'll play Smash. Or if I'm at a family gathering and somebody brings a Switch, I'll play Smash. But I don't like go out searching for it. I don't own a Nintendo Switch. So okay. that's kind of where I'm at with it. That makes sense. Yeah, oh, I remember this from the last time you were on the show. You hate Nintendo. That's right. Oh, yeah, that's uh, exactly it. Yeah. You also hate Sony because you have an Xbox. Of course, so. yeah. It's definitely <laughs> not sitting next to my PlayStation 4 Pro at all. Like, no, fuck all oh, that. That's good. So you have a correlation. PS4 Pro, Anna? Yeah. Correlation does <laughs> equal causality in this instance. Of course, I, yeah. I try to remember what I gave him shit for last time he was on the podcast. It was something <laughs> like that. I mean, yeah. I'm just trying to turn all of his words against him every time he said Basically, it. yeah. But no, I, uh, I've, I used to be a PlayStation fanboy, and then over the past six months... I've transitioned almost entirely to playing Xbox stuff because, like, I finished <gasps> this generation's exclusives on PlayStation. So mm. it's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You, you knocked well, out the catalog you needed to hit there, so. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Sort of. I mean, you have, I think this will be one of the biggest years for, if you think about it, you have The Last of Us 2, Final Fantasy 7 Remake, and then, fuck, what am I forgetting? I thought there was one more. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, just, Ghost um, of Tsushima. Ghost of Tsushima is a big one. Yeah. I thought there was another exclusive, exclusive, but I'm I must be wrong. But yeah, I think this will be a big year for. Were you uh? Did you, were you a big fan of The Last of Us? Oh God, yeah. Oh my God, that's easily top three games of all time. Yeah, just, yeah. It was. It's phenomenal. I mean, the gameplay. There are some tweaks that could be made, but the story makes up for anything the gameplay lacks. And the environments, Naughty Dog, they're, they're mm-hmm. kings. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Sh- yeah. Should we pose him that question that you're going to ask next week in the polls, Morgan? So, yeah, so we were actually arguing about this earlier, Samuel. Um, I, we were talking about, because Rich is a Chompcast member, and he's at PAX East right now, and he saw Final Fantasy VII, the demo booth. He was checking it out. Um, and so Shay was making a bold statement saying that Final Fantasy VII Remake will be the biggest game of the year, uh, but the last will be the biggest be part of a game of the year. The bi- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> yeah, uh, but that Last of Us he nicely said was top five worthy, um, <laughs> and I was like, whoa! I think the Last of Us will be much bigger this year than Final Fantasy VII remake. And then Rich jumped in, and Josh jumped in a little bit in his own mm-hmm. weird way, mm-hmm. which is just sort of like not sticking his dick anywhere, but just kind of slapping me in the face with it. So <laughs> just swinging it around wildly, see what I hit. Yeah. Uh, wh- with, so with reckless dick abandon, sl- <laughs> you don't give a fuck whose face you hit, just swinging it left and right. Mm-hmm. And so cutting through all that nonsense, if what do you think the bigger game this year will be? The Final Fantasy VII Remake or Last of Us 2? In terms of sales or in terms of popularity? Everything. It, when we say bigger, it, it, it's an average of popularity. You could say critical success. You could say... Um, Hype. Everything. I mean, I think that already starting out, Final Fantasy VII Remake has a niche community it's catering to to begin with. Like, it's mainly skewed towards the people that played it back in the day, but that's a lot uh-huh. of people. That's so, what I said. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so I think that probably on a grand scale, just because a lot of modern gamers have already played The Last of Us, Part 2 is probably going to be bigger than Final Fantasy VII, but that's not to say either is going to be uh, directly a failure or anything. Both of them are going to dominate, but Last of Us Part 2, because of the name recognition of Naughty Dog and The Last of Us, it's going to come out on top. 
Now, as far as sales go, whenever it launches next year on Xbox One X and Xbox Series X, that's when things are going to be like, which one sells more? Probably Final Fantasy VII. Okay. Well, I, I take that as a victory for our side here. Um, just because Shay was groaning in displeasure. Um, <laughs> Man. Well, I like- the question is about the biggest game this year as opposed... But you have a good point. The sales could even out once it's released on both systems because it's just a larger base. For 2020, The Last of Us Part Two is going to be the victor, in my opinion. Hmm. You know, to-, to be... F- mm. <sighs> So we're going to do a poll next week, so stay tuned, because next week when you see the polls go up, I'm going to ask the audience what they think. And I have two people against me right now with Rich and Shay, but Josh has not taken a stance. Um, I've taken a stance. you got to keep those feet wide. Shoulder shoulder width when you're swinging that dick around. <laughs> you're sta- you're standing one foot on each line, Josh. Is what you're doing right now. Yeah, yeah. You're kind of co- straddling the line. Your cock is helicoptering around you. It's just defending the line is what I'm doing, making sure nobody thinks about crossing on either side. There, you get too close, oh, you're gonna get smacked. It's like it's like a fucking police baton, a fleshy police baton. Oh, it's funny. Um, Josh actually has been playing. Did you grow up with any of the uh, vintage uh, PlayStation? Were you a PlayStation One guy, Samuel? Uh, yes, that was my first home console. Uh, and then I directly went into PlayStation Two. I didn't have an Xbox until the 360. So one of the more obscure games that we really enjoyed, um, me and Josh, was a game called Vagrant Story. Have you ever heard of it? I've heard of it, but I haven't played it. No, it is. It was created, I believe, by the same designer of like Final Fantasy twelve and Final Fantasy Tactics. I'm gonna double check on that. But um it's it just it was a very critically received game. I think it got a perfect score in Famitsu at the time, like a perfect forty. Uh, one of the few games to do that. But in in the States, it was received a little more mixed and the sales were like just good enough to say it's successful, but like nothing out of this world. Um but it is a very people who play that game generally have a very strong fondness for it. It's very brown, like Fallout. It's it's a very brown game. Yeah, I'm looking um, at screenshots. Are you? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, look at those Vagrant Story screenshots. Um, Josh has been just streaming it, and what, well, what inspired you to stream Vagrant Story, Josh? Because that's kind of a left field choice. We were at, uh, what was it, 25-year anniversary? 20... It's been quite, quite some time. I think it was 25. February 10th, 2000. 2000. Was the release. Yeah. So 20 year. Um, Jesus Christ. Fuck, 20 years? Oh, my and, God. Uh, <laughs> I just, I hadn't played it since it first came out. So uh, it, was, it was time. It was time to go back to it. Because um, it is the best looking game on the PS1 by basically a whole generation. Basically, everyone who's tuned in the stream has thought it was a PS2 game. Um, from well, the cutscenes in particular pull off. Um, they do hide a lot in the brown, but yeah, the cutscenes still look amazing. They almost look like a like a pop up book come to life, um, but not quite so childlike. Like there's the way they they visualize. I'm trying to hard to explain it. Um, it looks it looks. I guess it's just a comic book art style, but there's a nice. What it was the only game on the console to have lighting, <laughs> so that's kind of. Well, I, I don't know what that means. Um, they didn't really have lighting back in that gen that was kind of it was all faked it was faked in this game as well but they did an extremely good job of um 
of pulling it off with like uh yeah it looks like they baked the lighting into the textures mm-hmm. well it's not so much that they're baked in the textures um they they made separate models of like heavily lit and darkly lit that they then offset from each other for like the 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 rim light shots and stuff they did they did some crazy things in order to pull off those um lighting effects that they'd like change between shots like you'd have just the normal model for like a head-on shot with you know lighting from the front and they'd switch to like one with a rim light behind it it was like stuff that nobody was doing before um just really creative stuff stuff that no one has to do now because we can just light it the way we want um but yeah just the creativity from a bunch of people who didn't know how to make a playstation game so they figured it out and you know did some really impressive stuff with it Mats um, Matsuno was uh, involved. You could directed an Ogre Battle, Final Fantasy Tactics, and Final Fantasy Twelve. But like the the story here is like very mature. It's like even beyond Final Fantasy Twelve. I would say like it's very like the first time I played it as a kid, I was like I don't know what the fuck's happening. But like as an adult, it was like refreshing. I was like wow. Like you do not like today to this day, you just don't see games with this level of like mature storytelling. And it's kind of and the saddest thing was Samuel is that. It was received well. Like IGN was one of the biggest places in the world at the time. They gave it a nine point six. They just couldn't buy sales for this game because it was so weird, you know. Yeah. It it played a lot. Like, did you ever play Parasite Eve? I watched it. I didn't play it though. It had sort of a like a reticle system, kind of like that, or like Fallout, where you when the enemy gets close to you, you push a, a a battle command button, and a big sphere grid opens up. And if they're in the radius of that, whatever body part they are that's in that sphere, you can like. Um, select like their arm, their face, their leg, and it gives you a percentage based on like the weapons accuracy, how close they are to you, stuff like that. So it had this very mm-hmm. tactical. I always compare it to the VAT system, like a very early sort of VAT system kind of a thing. But it was really interesting because you had to really find the weakness of the enemy, and it, you could take your time with it. It was like uh, at your own pace, but it was comparable to me to something like a Parasite E. But if I guess you never played that, then. Uh. But everyone's played the Fallout, so I guess right. the Vats would be the best yeah. comparison. I had. Yeah, it was. It was. It's bizarre. It's still bizarre going back to it. Like I'm having to relearn a bunch of mechanics that I just, you know, haven't seen in decades. Um, like it had a, uh, like a parry system in the game, but it's it's not a standard parry system like you'll see now. It's like, it's. I don't know exactly the way it's coded, but they're essentially like different spells that you can trigger that if you hit them at the right time when an enemy is attacking you, you can pull off different effects. Like you can, you can only have three of them mapped at any one time, but like, you know, say you want, oh, I want this spell that's going to reduce any flame damage I take by 50%. You, you've got to have that particular parry equipped um, and then parry it. It's just, it's bizarre. It's like they, they built... But it's timing-based. Like, yeah. when the enemy hits you, you have to push it's that... It's like exactly, like, yeah, super, right when they hit super you. tight timing windows on there. Like, yeah, like, harder than some of the... Yeah, like, there's there's smaller timing windows than most of the uh, Souls games. They're, like, they're strict about the parrying in this game. It's 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 pretty crazy. 
It really, and there's a fun chaining system too, where offensively you could just, if you get that timing right, you could hit enemies like one, two, three, four, five. He'll just keep going, which is a big deal with some of the tougher enemies. It was, if you were into that more obscure kind of like PlayStation One style, I'm trying to think of a good comparison, Josh, because I wanted to do a poll about this game. But I, I think sh- it's a lot like, I mean, obviously the mechanics are different, but as far as like really dense mechanics like it doesn't look like there's a lot going on but there's so much you have to learn to really master it it feels an awful lot like final fantasy tactics like you can really tell it's made um you know made by the same team made by you know people that are just really into all right you're gonna have to figure out these 18 things to uh to really understand what looks like straightforward combat yeah, it's very complex. It's very brown. I was never the biggest tactics guy because I sucked at those games. Like the old tactics games, like Final Fantasy Tactics. I love Fire Emblem, but I couldn't get into Final Fantasy Tactics because I love the story, the music, the characters, but I, it, the game was too hard for me. It was just too difficult. I didn't enjoy those games. But like I, and Vagrant Stories was different enough for me to really enjoy it, but also really. I would say if anyone's listening to this and they're like, oh, that sounds weird. If you've ever gotten deep in like a Final Fantasy hole or you enjoy like those obscure PS1 RPGs, like this is like the obscure PlayStation 1 RPG of all RPGs. Like, it's it's so incredibly good, but it it's a very specific... Like, it's very brown. It's got a lot to learn. It's pretty difficult, you know? It's got a lot of reading. It's, mm-hmm. it's not going to be for everyone if that's something you're concerned about. But, I mean, I always think that's... Do you guys ever think that statement's kind of a silly to say something's not for everyone? Because it's like... Uh, you could say that about anything almost. Like, I guess we could try and pick something that's for everyone, Mario, but I just, I don't know what the value in that statement is. You know what I mean? That's tangential, but I think about that a lot. I don't, I don't know why. Yeah. Um, it's, it's an amazing game. It, it really is. Uh, and Josh, what's something you'd say streaming Vagrant Story like that maybe hasn't held up for you as much as you remember? Like now, today seems a little frustrating or dated that you've noticed. Um, There is an awful lot in the menus of this game um because like we said uh, the combat is so dense there are eight different damage types like damage affinities and different enemies will have will be weak to specific ones and and not just oh this does bonus damage like some of them won't take any damage from the wrong source um, so you'll be going in and out of menus, like between trash fights in other games. Um, oh yeah, and be yeah. like, uh, just just to make sure you've got the right weapon equipped. Um, and so that is something that I wish, I wish they'd streamline a little bit. Like you could tell that they knew there were gonna be problems with this because, like I mentioned, the whole equipping the right parry for a different enemy encounter there's a quick menu i think it's one of the first quick menus i remember seeing in gaming where you can hold a shoulder button and then it'll pop up with like a radio menu of all your spells and the different chain attacks so like you can change which spell which which attacks you're chaining and which spells you're using to parry um you can do all that really quickly you can use your items that way um something like that but for switching out weapons would just make the whole experience so much slicker than, yeah, than having to go yeah. into the menus and swap out a weapon anytime you know an enemy is just completely immune to the weapon you've got equipped. Um, that makes sense. Yeah, and those just, are probably there's, there's maybe an awful either. lot in the menus that I think could be streamlined. But other than that, it's it's held it's held up pretty well. 
It's it's sold up pretty well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I really love that game. It's it's a unique thing. When people mention Vagrant Story, I get really excited. I'm like, oh, Vagrant Story. You're part of the cult. The cult of Vagrant Storyers. Um, well, that's cool. Do you think you're going to stick with it, Josh, or is it just kind of a fun flight to fancy for a I few I think weeks? I'm going to stick with it. I think I'm probably just going to do like a normal playthrough. At first, I thought I was going to like try to go through the, uh, what is it, the Iron Maiden, I think. There's like a, like most of the Final Fantasy games at the time, there's like a ridiculously tough optional dungeon um, mm-hmm. that I never went through back in the day. Um, and I thought maybe I'd go through it this time finally. Um, yeah. But, but on stream, I think that's going to mean even more messing around in the menus to make sure I've got like, you know, min maxed equipment and stuff to actually make it through it. Um, and that, I don't know if that's going to be great streaming content um, yeah. as opposed to actually going through the game, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm not, I haven't completely decided. Definitely going to finish the game though on stream. So stay tuned to our Instagram. I'll let you know when Josh is streaming more of that if you want to check it out. Uh, Vagrant Story. Vagrant Story. All right. We like to end the show with some good laughs uh, last 10, 15 minutes or so. Uh, we go through the polls that you vote on every Monday to Tuesday on the at Swordchomp Instagram page. And remember, if you've been digging the show, please just go to patreon.com slash swordchomp and uh, look for all the ways you can support us there. And, of course, our uh, fantastic co-host with us, uh, Samuel Adams. You can find him. Just do Samuel Adams Gaming on YouTube. The Drop. The Jam Pack Report. Um... You can find more. I mean, one of the things we love, one of the things I loved about Samuel when I first met him was that uh, he's been doing this for a long time. And whether it's <laughs> one of his videos that has sixty four thousand views or a hundred views, you know, he's always cranking it out for the love of the game. So uh, always love to see that. I appreciate um, it. Oftentimes, if you're like us, probably for very little money. Um, <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's definitely a passion project. It always has been, always will be, you know? I I would never do it if I didn't love what I do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and those are the people that you want to follow. You know, when they're doing it for fun for 10 years, you know that um, their heart is in the right place. Um, but I still laugh because you did this video that was very successful. It was, like, to stream on Mixer or Twitch, I think, right? Yeah, um, I've, I've gotten a couple of them like that. And you were, like, laughing because you're like, I didn't really pick a side. <laughs> Yeah, just, no, just I just presented play. it where it's like, hey, yeah, if you want to stream on Mixer, here's the benefits. If you want to stream on Facebook Gaming, here are the benefits. This is a new Twitch feature that's coming out, and they're all doing really well. And then here I am, like, I don't, I don't really even stream anymore. Like, <laughs> I, I'm just here giving you guys advice and telling you what the forum tells me. But uh, I think the, I think the biggest issue that we've noticed, Samuel, and I'll just say this briefly, and I'm sure the guys can attest to this, uh, is that. When you spend a lot of time building up a Twitch community, you you are it's it's a very time consuming process, and then to start new on something else is basically starting over, and that's a very daunting concept. Yeah, it definitely can be. Um, I think that for a lot of people, if you are considering switching to a different platform, it's important to figure out what you want to get out of it. You know, like right now, if you just want easy monetization and just to get a little bit of return on your investment, Twitch is still the place to go just because you can build a community and it's very easy to support people on Twitch. Uh, but for people that just like to sit down after they get off work and play on their Xbox, Mixer's super easy, you know? If you're not trying to build a community and you just want to broadcast your content, yeah. then Mixer's good. It just depends on what you want, really. 
broadcast the best Halo, Halo 2. Oh, we've got two <laughs> flannel people here, too. The flannel brothers. I just don't know that. A lot of flannel here. I should have whipped out my flannel for this show. We talked about that earlier. This is the most <laughs> versatile form of male garment. It, it really is. It yeah. really is. It's so good. It you can never looks bad either. Like if I ever had a date out going, I would just whip on some flannel and I felt great. 100%. Yeah, every day. <laughs> it's, it's universal, dude. And that gives me an idea. Sam, if you ever want to, if you ever feel the urge to stream, we can be the flannel brothers in a, like a one-off stream. That'd be fun. Flannel hey, brothers absolutely. Yep, that's the new channel, uh, twitch.tv slash the flannel brothers. I like flannel it. bros, it's like a bang bros. That's got to already be a thing. So. Let me go look that up. <laughs> you know, we should just do bang bros. We should just do bang bros. <laughs> I mean, that escalated real quickly to wearing flannel together. Listen, to are you in it for the passion? Or are you are you in it for the money? We need to lay this out here right now. Oh, These are kimochi! <laughs> kimochi! Any oh, Japanese yeah. listeners out there or weebs will understand what I just said. Um, I like how Shay's just like, what's wrong? Let the me flannel get brothers are available to play at bars, wineries, breweries, <laughs> large events, private parties, and weddings in the Wisconsin and Minnesota area. But are they on Twitch? Now, the flannel bros, though, that's a different trademark. The mm. flannel bros. All right. Um, anyways. Fun polls every Monday and Tuesday. Check out the Ad Sword Chomp Instagram if you don't. Vote. We talk about it. Boom, boom. Digital issue 181. Uh, do you make your bed in the morning? 66% of our audience said, fuck no. They do not make their bed in the morning. Samuel, do you agree with this or are they a bunch of animals? Okay, here's a bit of a backstory briefly. I am. Uh, I don't know how you guys sleep. I do not use the middle sheet. I have the fitted sheet, and then I have a comforter. Yeah. And so, therefore, I can get up in the morning and almost like an anime character, just throw the thing up in the air, and then it just lands on the bed, and I'm good to go. Oh, yeah. Plus, I have a, <laughs> I, I have a cat, so then I don't want my cat sleeping in my bed, because that's gross. So then I feel compelled to actually fix <laughs> That's up. gross? How is that gross? I don't know. I don't know what she's doing. Like, she, like I, don't want, I don't want my cat to just, you know, be looking out the window and think, you know what? I'm just going to shit on his pillow. So I make uh, the bed so that it doesn't get all gross. So it's a nice duvet yeah. to shit on. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's the thought process behind that one. So yes, I make my bed in the morning for multiple reasons. You make your bed accidentally. Uh, Essentially. Just... No, I make my bed by force, basically, by force. <laughs> oh, that's great. Okay. Josh? I'm in the same situation. The middle sheet is an abomination. Like you Irrelevant. don't, you don't need it. You don't need it. Like fling it, and then everything else basically kind of lays flat on its own. So it is. It's just a matter of just kind of throwing it up there. The middle sheet causes more problems than it solves because you oh, you yeah. are like you. It's it's not going to just kind of happen to lay flat unless you you know really get in there and tuck it in properly at that point. I interesting wow too see that's my see I'm married so my wife just takes all the sheets and I sleep in the cold shaking the whole night so uh that's that's really all there is to it that's how he keeps in such um, great shape it's true yeah, yeah the cold it just really the burns shivering. all that extra yeah the shiver <laughs> it's it's an intense ca- uh calorie burn uh, no, I don't. I don't ever think about making my bed. Honestly, my wife wakes up later than I do, so technically, I could just blame it on her and say it's her responsibility. But mm. um, I've never made my bed in my entire life, um, and I just, I kind of like jumping into a big 
pile of sheets. I have, I'm a, I'm a, what do you call it? I'm a comforter guy. Like I have like three or four like thick comforters on my bed and it's just like a swirling sea of softness. Hmm. So. Um, See, I, so I think, I think of that as like one step below a hot bed of coals where you just have three of these Dutch ovens that you bake yourself in every night. Yeah. Well, I do live in Montana and it gets very cold here. True. Mm. True. So, so that might be part of it. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it's just interesting to see. But I wouldn't say I've made any effort to make my bed. What about you, Shay? Um, once your Tinder date leaves, do you make your bed? Damn it. That was a perfect He's, he's burn off. He's, he had to go mess up the sheets real quick. I mean, he's... <laughs> how many times has Shay been like, I got I to gotta make the sheets. Uh, let me get you an Uber. Um, okay, well, mm. Shay missed out on this question. Yeah. I'm sorry, I'll, I'll answer for him. In a completely unrelated fashion. The only thing worse than too many blankets on a bed is too many pillows on a bed. Oh, yeah. I kinda, I'm kind of, i kind of with you there. Too many pillows. Yeah. My wife does that, and I just can't, like, there's too many angles of my body protruding, and I'm just like, I don't know. It's too much. Well, you, you end up so, throwing them on the floor. It's like, what, that, what are you doing with all option. these pillows? And then you have to Do put them guys- back. So. Are you about the throw pillow life? Like, are you, do you have the decorative pillows for no specific reason? Uh, not <sighs> no. really. Like, we've got a couple pillows to go with, like, the, uh, the couch and the love seat, but not, like, a ton of extra ones. We've got, like, two pillows in the living room or something. Not, yeah, no, I mean, like, lot. specifically on the bed, because there are some oh, people no. that stack oh, these yeah, pillows. Oh, yeah, the whole, the extra, yeah, like... A square pillow. Like, what's this for? What, what yeah. square body part is this pillow going to ever be used for? No, no, not, not on the yeah. bed like that. No. I was just, I mean, as a single man who lives in my own apartment, I have minimal everything. I do not need much of anything. I pretty much need food and internet access and electricity. Those are my three. And, oh, uh, dude, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a nice existence, but uh, no, throw pillows have always just been... A mind-boggling anomaly. I, there's no uh, <laughs> no reason to have more than two max. Yeah, it boggles my mind that somehow throw pillows are normal, but body pillows aren't. Like, it, true. It, I've it never should thought be flip flopped. Like the one of them has an actual function. Yeah, I mean, on, honestly, that makes more sense in today's day and age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with you. Uh, I don't know. Once you're married, everything's out the door. So <laughs> I can't. Yeah. I can, uh, you know, it's just including the where Morgan sleeps once he shivers his way out of the bed and across <laughs> the, across the floor. Uh, plus, there's a baby in the. I have one of those like, um, there's like they make these like little, <laughs> like tiny baby beds you can put your baby in and you put the that little baby. Those are bed called in the cribs. No, no, <laughs> no a, a baby bed. Those are cribs, Martin. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I do have a crib, but it's like before she transitions to the crib, it's like a tiny. A uh, bed that goes in your bed, and you can sleep next to it. And like, I just she sleeps really well in there. I just wake up in the middle of the night to like give her her uh, uh, her pacifier or feed her a little. But it's like, yeah, she's like a tiny bed in the middle of your bed. So I don't have a lot of space to sleep, and I don't sleep a lot because I stay up working on sword chomp or playing games. So like, I don't. I'm not a good sleeper. Like my life is not mm. great right now. So as far as <laughs> sleeping goes. I like sleep on the couch in the morning for like an hour if I can, hanging off of it. It's it's sad. Um, how cute is Baby Sonic? It, the scientific slider went up about seventy percent. Now I know Samuel had mm. to be there day one to see the Sonic the Hedgehog film. Absolutely not. 
I just go- I, you said that and I was like, what the fuck's Baby Sonic? So I googled it. Uh, <laughs> that is adorable. Uh, it is cute. It is cute. That is cute. I mean, I'm gonna give on a scale of one to ten. That's uh, I'm gonna give it a seven. Oh, that's okay. A, well, that's a, right where the slider was. That's a cute, cute little, cute little thing. It's got like a little paunch belly. Yeah. Yeah, cute. I like that. Um. I'm supposed to take my kid tomorrow to see the Sonic the Hedgehog movie, and she's very excited. So, all right, that's gonna be good. I I know for a lot of people, there's nothing more torturous than sitting through the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. I would imagine, but I heard it's a lot like Alvin and the Chipmunks. Oh, oh no. no! Don't say oh no! That. <laughs> just, what? just to really just to really give you something to look forward to. I hear it's pretty much identical to Alvin and the Chipmunks <sighs> because you have a late twenties to early thirties man interacting with this animatronic slash CGI'd hedgehog hairy thing. Well, look, I don't think Wiz Khalifa made a song for the Alvin and the Chipmunk movie. All right. Okay. What? Good point. <laughs> Good point. Which column does that go in? <laughs> Is that a pro or a con? It's in the middle. Okay, yeah, you got it. This is a this is <laughs> no, just a, a thing that happened. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh my my daughter is believe me, she's all about that that song. You know, kids, and you know, it's kind of catchy, so it gets. It's not that bad. It's really not that bad. The song wasn't that bad. uh, It seems like they didn't... It seems like the sound effects were just mixed in there by some random guy who had nothing to do with the rest of the song. The sound (laughs) effects? Yeah. Like they... hmm. That was something. Yeah, that little uh, drum beat going into it, it kind of sounded like Queens uh, Queens of the Stone Age. Like uh, like that, you think I ain't worth a dollar, but I feel like a millionaire. Oh, yeah. uh, Yeah, it sounded just like that. I love some Queens of the Stone Age. Yeah, then um, Wiz Khalifa started singing and you lost me. Oh, come <laughs> on. I give I gotta give I give Wiz Wiz Khalifa credit because he is, you know, singing. There's some singing there. And there's a bunch of other rappers that jump in in that song and I couldn't tell you anything about it, but you know, it's catchy. Whatever. Could be worse. Um so yeah, Sonic, baby Sonic is seventy percent cute according to science, and you can't argue it. So good luck. <laughs> according to science. Uh um, which 320 release are you most excited to play first? Doom or Animal Crossing? And, you know, Animal Crossing, 40%, nothing to be ashamed of, but 60% of our audience said Doom Eternal. That's that's our audience split right there. That's kind of what you're looking at. Are they not the same yeah. game? <laughs> mm. Josh, you missed it. Right before the show, Shay was on here first with Samuel, and they were just bashing Animal Crossing and dancing on its corpse, and I was crying in the corner. <laughs> mm. <laughs> it was very sad. And Shay was so happy to finally have someone to not look forward to Animal Crossing with. Um, it's true. Yeah, it's not that I'm not looking forward to it. It's just that I know it's not for me, and I'm happy for the people that are out there that love it. You know, you go and you you play with you you, uh, you play with Tom Nook and and Isabel or whatever her name whoa, is. Whoa, whoa, playing you, with Tom Nook. What's going? <laughs> you you get you get 
very different game. Neck deep in debt with this talking raccoon capitalist, and you just go at it, and neck you do deep whatever in you Tom need. Tom Nook, to I'm following you. Okay, you get, you get, you get, <laughs> <laughs> you get fist deep in Tom Nook, and then you just, you just play Animal Crossing till you can't breathe. There we anymore. go. We've broken Samuel. He's now fully depraved. <laughs> oh, just... <laughs> okay. now you've just unlocked it. You understand? Know, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I'm the shadow character on the Smash Bros. roster, and then now you just see the color. <laughs> Yeah, depraves him. Um, <laughs> now, to be fair, like I, have, it's the, it's been a while since I've been really into it. But the GameCube one was a really cool thing, and you don't get in like the farming games or the sim t- town sim kind of games or anything like that. Personally, no, never okay. really been my thing. No, I don't have the time to invest in it. Like I work with somebody that put five thousand hours in Animal Crossing New uh, New Leaf, and it's mm-hmm. like, <laughs> whoa! I don't put that much time into like relationships with my family. I no, I'm good. <laughs> Thank you. Look, Tom Nook is the only family you need, all right? Understandable. <laughs> it's, the, it's the mafia family. Yeah. You owe me the bells or I'm going to come banging on your door. Um, <laughs> that's, that's how he rolls. But yeah, no, I, I love I love how you pay off the one debt and then you just show up the next day and there's a new room in your house. Like, what? what I don't even recall asking for this new room. Like, no, no, I'm sure you did because you paid us off the last time. Yeah. You just, yeah. Just, it just happens. It's it's cool though. For, I mean, forty percent is still good. It's a game that we're gonna be talking about for sure. At least some of yeah. us. Like I know me and Josh and Rich are excited about it. But you know, it's it's you know what you're kind of getting into. But the big thing for me is that Animal Crossing can finally pick up a lot of the things that this genre has sort of taken. I wouldn't say taken from Animal Crossing, but it was one of the pioneers. And now there's all these things like you know crafting which sounds like an obvious thing but it hasn't really been in animal crossing and there's a lot of other Im- implementations that they're going to put into the game like advancements in the genre and i'm curious to see how those all meld with a new animal crossing game so i'm curious i'm very curious <clears throat> mm-hmm. but i mean you know what you're getting into it's kind of game you play maybe an hour a day for six months if you're into it but i personally am more excited for doom eternal yes that's my personal opinion um is anybody here more excited for Animal Crossing than Doom Eternal? Please raise your verbal hand. Mm, I don't know. I do think that the Switch is probably the just the the as easily online as it is compared to the other ones. It's going to make it a whole lot easier to kind of show off your house, show off your village, which has always been kind of something the series has made difficult for what it is. Um, I don't know. It's it's it seems like it's a good time for it to to you know it make the jump to the switch. So I'm looking forward to it. I, I think I think it's got a lot of promise. Uh, Josh sent this poll to me, which surprised me. Mm. I finally get a poll from question from Josh after years of doing this, and I'm like, what is it going to be? And he said. Ask people, Morgan, what do they, when they're eating a sandwich, do they start with the perimeter or Wait, the middle of the sandwich? I didn't say what do they start with. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, yeah, you said when eating a sandwich, do you start with the oh, middle fine. or the perimeter? At no point did I say start with. Is that what the... How would you no, start s- with the middle? This makes even less sense. I start with the middle. Well, no, if the place cuts it in half, you could start in the middle. If it starts it in half. It starts by cutting it in half. Oh, I'm sorry, Josh. Did I botch your one poll question? Yes, Let apparently. Me... I didn't even look. I assumed you got it right because I... I uh, sent it to you. I, I should I'm know better so... by now. Let me... Hang on. Let me... <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking, too. I'm frantically hoping that you're wrong. 
Um, Meanwhile, Sam, what's the best sandwich you can eat? Oh, or, the best sandwich. That's a loaded question. I mean, personally, I've always gone with the classic like turkey club where you've got turkey and bacon and lettuce and tomato and like a, a mayonnaise uh, or an aioli, if you will. Yes. You know, a little bit, a little bit of a uh, little bit of uh, vinegar maybe on that just to spice it up a little bit. But yeah, mm. I go for the old fashioned like that. I could go for some real good aioli right now. I haven't had good aioli since I've been in Japan. And plus, that's a really fun word to say, aioli. Aioli. Um, yeah. You gotta I get the New York a- in there. Aioli. You got yeah, aioli. Hey. hey. I'm walking in. Oh. Hey, aioli. Get to the fucking park. I'm gonna eat some hot dogs. <laughs> I thought you were referring to the idea that, like, if someone, like, if I go to a restaurant and they always cut the sandwich in half, I will then start eating it from the middle portion-ish as opposed to the outside. But um, now I'm deeply confused about the entire nature of this question and my existence. Where is it? Where did I type this thing? I I know you sent it to me and I'm digging for it. I'm also having trouble finding it, so. I'm going to go on the record and say, Josh, even though maybe that's not what you intended for the question to be, I actually took it the same way Morgan took it. What did you intend, Josh? Instead of looking for the question, which we can, what did you intend? Which is the better part of the sandwich? Because how would you even start in the middle? Again, this was one of the things, like, that's starting tough. in the middle it takes requires, you know, to be cut now. additional hardware. Yes, it does. Some people, I imagine, they would just cut their sandwich in half because they don't like crust. A lot of people messaged me and they said they hate crust. So, uh, See, I got my hopes up, assuming you typed in the question correctly, because to, the outside uh, of the sandwich is the best part of the sandwich. Get out of here. And I, I, saw something, I saw something on social media, I think, last year, and I think it deserves bringing back up. If you don't eat the crusts of your sandwiches, you're the same type of person who won't eat pussy. And I think that holds true. What mm-hmm. the fuck? That is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. No, that sounds about right. That sounds about right. But I, mean, uh, I, I had high hopes, given how many people started with the outside of the sandwich, who I thought were actually fans of the best part of the sandwich. The parts that, if you're having like a chicken sandwich, has more of the breading, so it's crispier. And, um, and who aren't mm. going to be complete mush, because not... All of the sauce has pooled right there in the middle of the sandwich to turn the whole thing to mush. True. How much? When you get how like much a, sauce, do you have on your sandwich? Well, just I'm doing a general cross section of all sandwich in order to uh, make the general hypothesis. Obviously, we're, it's we're dissecting a and looking at the one, anatomy of this sandwich. Yeah, from one point, sandwich to the doing. next. There are outliers where the middle of the sandwich is better, but uh, but as a rule. It's 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 the outside. I do like I like when the bread is like toasted on a sandwich and you just get that first initial crunch into the outside mm-hmm. of the sandwich, especially if it has like whatever kind of meat you like on it and cheese. Oh, that crunch, that initial crunch. And granted, iceberg lettuce is not the best for you, but if you get that additional crunch from the iceberg lettuce, mm-hmm. whoo, that's that's on a level of almost orgasming just in a sandwich, just that crunch right there, that double crunch. Yeah, and again, like I kind of mentioned the whole, by the time you get to the middle, everything's been pushed together from from holding the thing, and so you end up with, you're going to get everything that was in the sandwich, but all compacted into a little cube, 
that you kind of just have stuck there. And uh, yeah, it's the outside is so much better. All this is doing is just making me want a sandwich. That's all this is doing. <laughs> well, on that note, let's go make a sandwich. Um, it's been a lot of fun. Thank you for running down the polls with us. Uh, Samuel, of course, as we mentioned, uh, the Jam Pack Report on YouTube, the drop, of course, just Samuel Adams Gaming, Samuel Adams, um, or just Samuel Adams on Twitter. What's your Twitter handle? Uh, Twitter.com slash Pretty Chill Guy, and then you can go to YouTube.com slash Samuel Adams Media and find all of my stuff. But yeah, general search of the Jam Pack Report or the drop, weekly gaming releases, you can, you can find me pretty easily. <laughs> um, and be on the look for him the next time a big virus breaks out, and uh, we're looking for that next... Uh, absolutely i'll be there (laughs) trending beer naming convention um it's been a lot of fun again patreon.com slash sword chomp if you want to support us um i want to thank shay for being here from japan uh sam adams of course where are you from again i'm sorry i I totally forgot like south north carolina south carolina yeah Yeah. charlotte north carolina north carolina okay all right Um, my old stomping ground there you go (laughs) yeah he he stomped a lot of he stomped a lot of fools there. Um, and Joshua, of course, here from Michigan. And I'm here in Montana, General Mountain. We will see you next week with a full rundown of PAX East. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. And so join us for an all-new Chompcast. Until then, peace out.